Join a Planet Fitness near you from $5 a week plus no locking contract. Enjoy tons of equipment and small group classes. Upgrade to our Black Card membership to bring a friend for free and access our Black Card Spa. Planetfitness.com.au Breakfast on SEN. Good morning, everybody, and welcome along. Awesome to have you with us on this seventh day of February. It is summer breakfast, and it's a Wednesday morning, and I hope for you it has started very brightly indeed, because if not, we've got a bright McCafe menu to cheer you up, our official coffee partner. What about this for a lineup? We're going straight to the top at the AFL. The Executive General Manager of Football, Laura Kane, is going to join us now that the league has uh, set the terms of engagement for season 2024. We're going to go to the SCG. We're going to have a chat to Sydney head coach John Longmire. The announcement yesterday that I think most outsiders found an enormous shock. Callum Mills not only remaining as captain, but standalone captain as well. GWS general manager of football, Jason McCartney as well. Questions of that notice, a heap to get to as I welcome you in, Kane Corns, and it's the second last time we're going to be chopping it up on Summer Breakfast. Sammy Edmund, looking forward to chopping it up. Uh, what a McCafe menu we've got in store this morning. Lots of footy on the agenda. If you've got a question for, for Laura Kane, Ooh. send it through. No whistling this morning. No, no. That I had don't been want com- any whistling. <laughs> that had been coming, though. That was, uh, that was submitted to the clubs back in December. There's one club. There's one club that does it better than anyone. Serial offenders. Who is it? Serial offenders. They reside in the western suburbs of Melbourne. I don't think there's any malice in it, to be honest. It's just something they found that worked for them. But, Not um, the dogs, but the dogs. It might yeah, be no, pipe. Yeah. It might be pipe. Um, and it was a, the league had had enough. So that was it. They're cracking down on the whistling. All right. It was well, a quirky one. I had no idea it was an issue. But uh, they're not quite sure what the penalty for whistling will be. They're suggesting a free kick against if someone whistles. Oh, so surely not going to be a free Laura Kane was really, really strong on it yesterday when I saw her speak to the yeah. news outlet. She said, I don't want whistling part of That's our game. That's not so, something we want in our game, a whistle. What happened to the humble wolf whistle? No, no, no more. No more. No, no, no more whistling. And there's a couple of other things as well. Like, I thought the rundown tackle crackdown was only if someone was concussed as a result, but tackling a player from behind with excessive force is a reportable offence. I, so I regardless you, of, I regardless told you this of concussion. I told you this yesterday. We're going to have an example where someone's going to get uh, suspended for a rundown tackle, and we will be outraged. It might happen in round one. It might happen in round 21, but it even will if happen. They're not in, even if they're not injured. It will happen. So you're right, though. Good idea. 0433981116. I've got a... A heap of stuff to throw at Laura Kane, and you will out there as well. Issues that give you the irritants. We had a we had a pretty spirited debate yesterday on the ruck nomination rule. You will have yours out there at the moment. We will uh, devote as much time as we can to the executive general manager of football, Laura Kane. Uh, so oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Really looking forward to that. As I am the chat on Callum Mills with John Longmire as well. How did that play out? Mm. Going to be interesting. Yeah. Well. It's a sign of a club that has strong leadership, isn't it? They weren't influencers from outside. Commentary around Callum Mills, I was pretty strong at the time that you got a senior player carrying on like that and injuring himself. It's not a great look. And I think they knew I think they knew that and I think Callum himself had known that, but there was some calls to 
take away the captaincy from him. Not only that, now they've gone standalone. Yep. Callum Mills is is the man. So uh, John's been good enough to join us. Uh, footy not too far away at all yep. for them. I got some detail on that too. How it came to be. We'll get to that later. But geez, people are getting edgy out there, which which must mean that we're getting close to the start of the season. Sausage, Gossage had a crack back at you, but and at mm. me as well. Oh, you got lumped in as well. Long-winded crack, but a crack nonetheless. <laughs> I think he called me B grade. I mean, I've I've moved up in the alphabet. I've been I've been promoted. And uh, Craig Kelly went after Robbo, <clears throat> pardon me, Mark Robinson, yesterday after he wrote a piece on Monday, of course, saying that Nathan Murphy at Collingwood just should not be playing footy anymore due to his series of concussions. And I think he's now been concussed, Nathan Murphy, 10 times. Or the CEO of Collingwood called it sensationalist and just wrong. Mm. So we're so going to each punching other. on with everyone. It would appear that normally happens late in the season, doesn't yeah, it? But yeah. it started early. Well, Usually happens when it gets cold. Winter sets in about around 11 or 12 and there's spot fires everywhere and everyone's going after everyone. But um, so, Tim, I, I must admit, this is gossip. I didn't listen to the rant. Was it worth oh. listening to? Well, we'll get it up for you. Um, as I said, it's long-winded, but he got there in the end. And uh, did, he, under- did he land the plane? Is that's what I want to know. No, I think we're not. circling. I think we're <laughs> circling above the runway. To Is be he running honest, out of petrol. I, I, I wasn't totally buying it, but it, yeah, of course he was going to defend himself, and, and he'd expect nothing less. All a bit of fun over the preseason. Hey, speaking of fun, confirmed now, so we can talk about it. Finally's final siren. She's back. She's back. She's back. Mark Fine, eleven till one a.m. Fridays following the footy. He said, I'm thrilled to be back on SEN 1116 doing the program I love most. There's nothing like talkback with passionate footy fans straight after the game. So as strange as it sounds, bring on round zero, call in, and let's all have a crack. Now, for our younger generation, you might not be familiar with Finey's Final Siren. For our older generation, a lot of you have been pining for its return. He's just a mere snippet of what you might be able to expect when Finey's Final Siren returns this year. Don't ever listen to me again. Don't call me a filthy racist. You're banned from this program. Your SMS is banned. Piss off, asshole. Break. It's Stephen Bloody Kernahan. Goodbye. No quiz prizes tonight. A break. And when we come back, another break. And then the only time they beat Richmond by over 100, they won by 141 points. So, For the person who asked, finally, did you just fall off your chair? The answer is yes. I still haven't picked it up. It's silly. It's on a plastic thing. It's on wheels. It just flew from underneath these things happen. So these things happen. It will have a bit of everything, rest assured. Only two hours he crams a lot into those two hours, Volcano. Uh, I'm just going to look at the uh, fixture and find out who might be in the gun early, like <laughs> a, with an early disappointing loss. Um, but he'll be there. So, yeah, the Collingwood-Sydney game is, is round one. If you want to speak to Finey, 11 to one. Yep. It's back. Uh, it's back. Uh, it's good. Uh, open oh, it's season. Open season. Now, we mentioned Gossage, so it's only fair that we uh, we give him the, the right of reply. Um, geez, it's a long clip, a minute 07. We might have to get to it a little bit later on. A minute. I can't listen to a minute might of sausage. go make a coffee. Yeah, it, we, that might be a McCafe job. Well, we might circle back to that. Speaking of quick, you would have needed to be quick, but did you watch the day? Uh, I can't call it a day nighter. I'm just calling it a day uh, between Australia and the Windies in Canberra. Do you know what? I didn't watch a single ball of this. Well, I didn't either because I couldn't. It was over. Uh, so and quickly. That was the point. I was I was in the car running around, had to take the boys to the dentist, pick them up from school, and I was listening to our SEN uh, coverage of it. Commentary team did a pretty good job of, I don't know, making the chocolate out of bald lollies, Sammy, yesterday because it was ordinary, oh. and they were ordinary, 
And it's embarrassing, really, wasn't it? Super. Oh, that's an understatement. West Indies bowled out in 24.1 overs, and Australia got there in 6.5 overs. Six overs. Six overs. The game, I call it a day, it it was over by 6 o'clock. Do you know what I thought? So when Steve Smith, I was listening when Steve Smith won the toss and elected to bowl first, I was like, if he was really conscious of the Australian public, he would have batted first. 100%. And given us 50 overs of at least something to talk about. And there's been debate over value for money in this sport at the moment. Yeah, and he's Give done, some it, people he's some value. done it a couple of times. I reckon he did it in the first ODI as well. And people say, oh, Kane, it's not in his interest to be entertaining for the Australian public. Oh, I think it actually is. I think it is. So you've got these youngsters wanting an opportunity to bat. We all want to see them bat. Give us 50 overs. Let us make 400 and then bowl them out for 80. And it's a different story than what we're talking about today because that was embarrassing. And I just thought Steve Smith as skipper should have batted first to give us somewhat of a show. Oh, well, thank goodness for our man, Jake Fraser-McGurk, who would have been easy to just knock the ball around for, for 25, 30 overs to chalk up the 87 for victory. No, he came out and smashed 41 off 18, eight boundaries, um, and oh, I think he hit three sixes as well. So uh, an insane innings at the crease for Jake Fraser-McGurk. So at least the public who got along to Monica. Uh, saw some fireworks at, at the back end, which is absolutely farcical. And we've still got three T20s to come. Oh. It's, uh, it just keeps be, going. Yeah, no. Well, well, T10s maybe. T10s. Well, it wasn't far from be. a T20 yesterday. In fact, it was only a 30-over match in the end. Yeah, no, no good. Uh, righto, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The forty wings temper is oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Some good questions coming through for Laura Kane, and she actually addressed yesterday, I think, in her press conference, Kane. Um, the, the, I guess the suggestion players could sign waivers to avoid feudal litigation. So we'll discuss why that hasn't happened with her. Um, what a world we live in. I'm not sure what happened in Adelaide yesterday, but over here in Melbourne, just as we were signing off, news emerged that uh, a man had free soloed up a, a sixty story building here in the CBD. On a Beckett Street, all sorts of drama. No ropes, no harness, no parachute. A French national, oh, the French Spider-Man, he calls himself. And, and when he was asked, when the police waiting for him at the top to arrest him, uh, the waiting media said, well, why, why did you do that? And he just said, because I can. Right. I read it. this in the Herald Sun this morning. There's pictures of it. Spider-Man, a super villain. French nationals in police web after dangerous city <laughs> climb. How do they do that? It's amazing. He was regularly chalking his hands because there was a fair gathering. A lot of tradies had gathered. They, they declared smoko and just gathered around to watch this guy. Regular chalk and just scaled up the side of a what looked like a residential 60-story building just about. And they were, cops are waiting for him at the top. And there was a couple. There was another one as well, a 25-year-old French national who was allegedly filming the stunt yep. on a drone. So they, they must be YouTube sort of sensations, these dudes, and doing it for a bit of online fame. What should the sanction be? What should the punishment be for that? I don't know. He's been charged with endangering life and uh, all things. I, I, I'm not sure. I, would, would it just be, does he know it's just going to be a slap on the wrist and the way he goes back I to France? I would have thought so. Back so to he's France. a French blogger. He's done it before uh, and been arrested before. So I think it's a it's a well-worn path uh, for this guy. But, it's a uh, real skill though, isn't it? Oh, like I see these, these climbers and you're, I'm, you're petrified of heights. <laughs> <laughs> Shades of shades How of Tom Cruise. You've seen Free Solo, haven't you? Yeah, classic. That's it, white knuckle. That's white yeah. knuckle sweat inducing. I can't watch it. And you see the other things online, the, the other YouTube videos where they're 
jumping across cliff face parkour and doing all that sort of stuff and one slip and you're all you're in all sorts but he, he did have the airpods in do you reckon he was listening to this he? as he scaled up he might have been listening to SENWA. oh he might have been tim gossie yesterday yeah, morning to, to power up um there's some heavy clipping going on of goss's retort so we just need to do uh do some do some heavy pruning okay. on that uh, I love the back and forth. Speaking of back and forth between the Gold Coast and the Giants yesterday, did you catch up oh, with this? Take us through this. <laughs> so we spoke about him yesterday, your old teammate Kingers, uh, on the phone with one hand lifting a dumbbell with the other, multitasking if ever we've seen it, in his office, surprised uh, by the social media team up there at the Giants. So he wasn't doing it for, for fun. He was legitimately doing it. Well, the response came yesterday morning from Gold Coast. That's cute, the son said, and it was Dimmer Hardwick on the phone lifting an even bigger weight while on the dog and bone, a clear, a clear light-hearted dig at his old assistant coach, uh, Adam Kingsley. But his dumbbell was enormous. I'm not sure if they kept filming, it might have dropped on his toe. Um, but you don't take on your man, Jacob Gaynor, at GWS. You don't. You don't, you don't do it. The 2023 staff member of the year, his response came just as swift. He'd see more muscle lifting his paycheck. <laughs> Not bad. Undefeated, that guy. Well, I've been trying to get him on the program, but they want to keep a low profile for, for our man Jacob up there at the Giants. But, um, yeah, he's just – he's clever. And, look, I think all club social medias are getting better, but they're still the leader in the pack. In fact, it's funny I want to speak about the Gold Coast a little bit later on because – uh, their chairman, Bob East, has outlined oh. the club's ambition to win a premiership in short time. Um, so within three years, they want the first premiership at the Gold Coast. I've got some thoughts on this after seven o'clock and uh, the history of clubs declaring bold statements and bold mission plans, business plans that never work. I mean, Brendan Gale's done a disservice to every club. He's ruined it try, for and, try and copy what Richmond did all those years ago when he went on footy classified. So can Gold Coast win a premiership in the next three years? 0433981116. That is their ambitious plan of Damien Harwick and that paycheck. He says he's not paid an extraordinary amount of money and they hadn't headhunted him from Richmond before he retired. So he's answered all those questions uh, and he's spoken, but they're pretty keen to get things moving on the Gold Coast and win a premiership in, in short time. Yep, he spoke to Channel 7 yesterday. It's funny, you know, normally familiar with five-year plans, seven-year plans, even 10-year plans. I think we've seen this as a three, an, an abbreviated version. And this year, minimum expectation is finals, he said. We, we, we expect that's the benchmark. So, uh, it's yeah, it's probably the boldest one I've read because the club's never played a final. They've got to do something they've, they've never done before. For, to deem the season a success, basically. I mean, Damien Harwick said back in August he knew he was going to be the Suns coach after entree at that Italy dinner. Well, he's, he's just got to turn around and deliver the main course straight away. Yep. And the, 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 the plan to win a premiership in three years before you've even played a final, I mean, that's bold. Mm. That is bold. We'll speak about it after 7 o'clock, and I want to play you something that Collingwood said. Uh, before they won the premiership and sort of compare the two. Yep, I like it. There's so much to get to today. A lot of footy around uh, and a massive McCafe menu. Great to have you with us uh, throughout the morning. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns. The up fans until 9 want Gossage. The fans out there on the temper text, they right. want Gossage. And it's on only other, fair. Uh, on the other, we've clipped it down to 41 seconds. No clipping. There's been a chainsaw out the back whipped <laughs> out by Benny Lyon. He's uh, and a hedge trimmer and everything else. Uh, and an axe. So on the other side of this break, we'll try to uh, do uh, sausage uh, the, the best service we can. 
and summarise his views. There's a lot to get to here. It's all thanks to Melbourne Airport Parking. Book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Breakfast on SEN. All right, so to recap, Tim Gossage over in Perth said recently that those outside Western Australia came, well, that, that, you know, we unfairly had the coaches of the two WA clubs on the chopping block and that they, we, should look in... uh, in their own backyard. Now, we discussed that. I'm forever intrigued by the geography obsession that they have over there in WA and some sort of inferiority fear going on. Speaking of fear, you said, well, simply they're petrified of the big dog uh, in town, which is the West Coast Football Club. Now, you'll remember that Tim Gossage was up until recently on staff at the West Coast Eagles doing some work. He was a paid member of the organisation. That's no secret. So he used that uh, to illustrate why he's just simply not scared of West Coast Cane. He's claiming I'm petrified of West Coast. Kane, I want it known to you and a couple of the uh, your band of merry men that you work in, with. In the summer breakfast. In the B Team Breakfast Show. Doing this role on radio and having a tea and having a job inside the media department. I wasn't breaking stories inside. I was doing the uh, Ask Simo, I was doing a podcast, I was doing a bit of MC work. I withdrew my services so I wasn't compromised. So if that makes me petrified now, then I'm very much mistaken. I gave up a six-figure job. It's not because I didn't want the money, because I needed to be impartial to do this job. So you can take your petrified comment and put it where the sun don't shine, because that is so ill-informed and so wrong. Six figures, and here I was thinking it was the player contracts that were generous. What about that? He's dropped in what he's getting... Six figures for asking Simo a couple of questions. On a podcast. That is unbelievable. Just casually dropping that in there for us. That's, that's, that's the biggest revelation out of all of this. I was struck. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, and now that I am, I think he's even more petrified than what I <laughs> thought he was before. An inflated Six co- figures <laughs> for asking Simo a couple of questions. What are you going to ask Simo? And his band of merry men merry, on merry, summer break. I like, the B team. I like that. I like that. I've got a B team. No, it's a bit, a bit of byplay, but uh, I, I do stand by it. I, I, I don't think the media in WA as a whole, as a rule, is hard enough on the Eagles. And yeah, I even, even saw a tweet from, from Ryan Daniels yesterday, who's as good as anyone over there. He was responding to um, my comments as well. Uh, I'll just get the exact tweet up in a, in a tick when yep. I find it, but. Um, I think he basically said you're entitled to your, to your view, pretty much, but that he tries to remain as impartial as he can and, and he'd expect him to, to answer as such. But um, it's an interesting dynamic when there's a two-team town. Do you find that in Adelaide? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard for those guys because yeah. they want the access to that. And Ryan Daniels was speaking for myself. It's just facts and honest opinion. Typically, I have a glass-half-full approach to footy. That's not because of fear, just an inbuilt tendency Kane's absolutely entitled to his opinion um geez his glass I, half forward theory would have been well, approach would have been was, tested over the last two and a half years you're a magician if you can <laughs> find a glass half full approach to west coast in the last two and a half years that's that's my point um it's and and the original comment was you know adam simpson isn't under pressure i was like well, how, how could he not be under pressure um but they want the access to the eagles and that club is so powerful they just don't call it, I don't think, as honestly as they should with what has gone on, particularly at that club, mm. to a lesser extent, you know, to a way lesser extent, Fremantle in, in recent times, but they just haven't called it as they've seen it. 
And I don't think it maybe Mark Duffield's the exception to the rule over there. I think I think Duff's pretty strong on the Eagles when he when he yep. has felt that it's warranted and and gives an unbiased view of that. But apart from him, he's really the only one that I think calls it as he sees it. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen is the uh, forty wings temper text and just six figures, <laughs> six figures. Wow, for uh, bit of ask, MC work and were, asking Simo a couple of questions. They were good questions to Simo, to be fair. Uh, after Kane wins his first fight, he should take on Gossage. Coming through off the text. Now you're a pro, pro boxer, Kane, and on the rise, you might have to call uh, Sausage out uh, after you take care of uh, Nath Brown. Oh. Uh, the Apple Vision Pro Goggles we spoke about this week. Did you see the NBA is about to debut their interactive uh, LED glass court for the All-Star weekend? So This thing is un- – it's like a, effectively a plasma court. They're playing on a television. Surely that's yeah, wh- not uh, – And what's it got? It's got the stats. Anything they want. Running on the court. Stats. Uh, uh, it could have emojis. It could have replays. It could have anything they want. It's like the sphere on a court. Um, stats, animations, directly on the court. Distracting for the players or sure, not? I was just going to say, surely that won't be happening when the game's on. Yeah, surely that'll be during a timeout or... T- turn it off. But who knows? I mean, they have music blaring NBA games when... This is oh. why I think tennis players are so pedantic and golfers the same. Don't make a noise. Don't rustle a bush as I'm trying to have a shot. Go to an NBA game and there's music blaring as they're taking a free throw or they're going to put up a shot from three-point land. It doesn't bother the NBA players. So um, we, we've had that discussion. But, yeah, how far does it become too far with entertainment in venue? Yeah. Like some – even Steve Kerr this year, the coach of the Warriors, he's like, it's like a, a nightclub in here. Turn the music down. So when does it become too much? I feel like the, I feel like the glass court might be – might be that point. Imagine the carnage you could inflict if you were the home team and you had your buttons on the uh, on whatever's going on to the court. Like if yeah. someone sh- Steph Curry's playing away for Golden State and he shapes up for a three, you could put anything on the court in front of him. People yeah. waving to put him off. It'd just be it'd be limitless. Well, they had the um, had the painted courts for the in season tournament, yeah. and they uh, some of those looked quite good. Some of them uh, weren't my cup of tea, but that was something different and I think resonated with the fans. This is taking it to to a new level. Jared uh, and Brooksy touched. The surface of the Super Bowl yesterday, where yes. the, the game will be played oh. at Alliance Stadium. It's a fair stadium. Has the access that the fellas have got. Straight out onto the hallowed turf. With the media pass, living it up, magnificent. And that noise in the background. Well, that lady in the background, was that directed to them? It was just like a hello, gentlemen. Welcome, gentlemen. So good. Living the dream, aren't they? Jeez, I've got some serious FOMO at the moment yeah. with Vegas and the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, before we get in the newsroom with Nathan Gardner, Jeff uh, has called in from Richmond. How are you there, Jeffrey? Good, good boys. How are you? We're going Hi, well. Jeff. Kano, you're all over it. I'm a Perth boy, West Coast man, but um, Goss knows what it's like when you work for Channel 10. He got banned by Mick Malthouse for eight weeks at one stage from press conferences, and then Wusher did the same to him. Really? So he knows what it's like. He's not going to get any answers, and that's why they're so West Australian content, because to be honest, without being rude as a Perth boy anyway, it's very hard for those guys on the West Coast to even talk to anybody on the East Coast. You know, mm. so Goss ringing, you know, John Longmire isn't going to probably get a call back. So, yeah, they've both got, you know, Goss is uh, renowned for it. But, yeah, Mick Malthouse wouldn't answer any of his questions at a press conference, just went past him for six weeks. Oh, Jeff, yeah, yeah. And we've been there here in Melbourne, but I guess the beauty is we've, we've got nine, ten teams that we can, from a, from a reporting point of view, you can move on to, but hard in a two-team town. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's easy, but that, that's just the, the facts of it. Um, and, you know, I've spoke, I, I used to work at the, the West Australian, and they, they do get frustrated that there isn't anyone there that can really be 
critical of the club or mm. not even critical, be honest with, with where it is at. So I didn't say that comment for no reason. I've had discussions with people and you see and you read the coverage from over there and it is often and, and nearly always slanted to the positive. My view is that in the last two and a half years at the Eagles, there hasn't really been one positive to find. Uh, good to hear from you, Jeff. Uh, don't be a stranger going forward. We're powered by Kubota here on SEM Breakfast for more than 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter down at Kubota, shaping and building Australia together. The call of the year is back. Thanks to Toyota, it's your chance to win a 2024 Hilux GR Sport. Not too shabby. There's Toyota Hilux stock available now. Just contact your local Toyota dealer today. Right, 6.30 news coming up. Nathan Gardner, he's got the headlines. We'll grab ourselves a McCafe coffee and be back in a tick. Finey's made the news uh, and a lot of good feedback off the text for the return of Finey's uh, final siren, Michael in Clyde. I'm 26. I remember all the fun that Finey brought, uh, brought to the table from a young age. His shows are one of my favourites and thank God he's back. It'll be well received and who knows where we go from here. Yep, who knows, but it'll be entertaining. Um, just back page count at the West Australian. Oh. No Harley Reid on the back page. Now, I, got a, I saw a tweet addressed to us, or one of us, 27 was the count that someone yeah, claimed since that he joined. That doesn't surprise me. 27. So it's Fife on the back page. It's the circle of Fife is the headline, quite clever. Um, how Frio can get the most out of veteran in massive season. You've got to wait three pages before there's an article on Harley Reid. But there is one. Reid already employing Dusty's don't argue on his teammates. So that's, uh, that's on page 54, three pages in... In sports, extraordinary. I was just, I'm fascinated by it. I don't know why I'm obsessed by it, but. That's a watch. It's incredible. Yeah. I wonder what it's like for him in his day-to-day life over there. I don't whether know how the, he, yeah. Whether it, matches the, whether it matches the hype, whether he is recognised yet on the stuff. I can't imagine he's overly recognised yet. Oh, but, he would uh, be now. He's had he, 27 yeah. front and back pages. Certainly not knick-knack proportions, which uh, from what we're told from people over there yeah. in Perth reached uh, crazy levels at one particular mm. stage. And obviously it was Ben Cousins prior to him. Mm. So it's the town where they, they idolise their, their footy stars, which is which is great. Uh, the results of the AFL uh, commission were released yesterday, communicated to the 18 clubs. There's tweaks to all sorts of things, smothering, rundown tackles, ruck contests. That's an interesting one I want to get to with you later on, Kane. Fend-offs, naming of the subs, uh, whistling from the bench, and a heap more. We're going to unpack it all uh, in depth out of 7 o'clock. And a reminder that uh, the boss, the AFL Executive General Manager of Football, Laura Kane, will join us at 7.40. So if you've got a question for Laura or the league or a rule that you want addressed or acknowledged, uh, 0433981116 off the text. Yeah, and she headlines one of the great McCafe menus this morning. Swans coach John Longmire and GWS GM of footy Jason McCartney also to join us. Uh, speaking of Collingwood, the boss Craig Kelly has hit out at reports questioning whether Nathan Murphy should be playing amidst concerns around his concussion. Kelly said any suggestion that the welfare of Murphy and all of the Collingwood players wasn't the club's priority was just wrong. Uh, he has also said the process of what Nathan went through with his family and with the coaches to make an informed decision to uh, want to do the job that he loves, everything has been done. Laura Kane was also asked about this um, yesterday, and she wasn't as strong, but said similar that uh, clubs have the best people making these uh, decisions for, for the players. No surprise uh, at Richmond, unfortunately, as it is Tom Lynch has conceded uh, that the opening round, round zero against the uh, Tigers, uh, well, for the Tigers, uh, will be tough for him to play in. He's continuing uh, to work his way back from that injured foot. So he's had two rounds of surgery. He was put in cotton wool early last year to get himself right for the start of 2024, but it's just taken such a long, long time 
for him to get himself up and going. I think I heard that he's still a fortnight away from resuming full training as well. So he, I think he's earmarked round one against Carlton, but he's even that at the moment, you would say, might be long odds yeah. at the moment. Uh, and so be it. If he misses the first couple of rounds, we'll, we'll find. I mean, no uh, chance. I mean, he said round one, maybe round two. It'd be a nightmare if he came back and it happened. Or, yeah. or he, I think he said now that the everything's fine with the foot, but it's the risk of soft tissue. But still, if he came back and did a calf or a four-week hammy, I mean, it'd be a disaster. So they've just got to get him right at, at the first attempt, of course. You and I did our hold me to it where we had the opinions that uh, we, we put on the line. And we said, hold me to those opinions. I said, Tom Lynch will kick under 30 goals for the year. Hold me to that. That's looking even better um, as the days uh, Gee, that's, the days bold. Go that's bold in retrospect, isn't it? Less than 30. 30. Well, when he plays, he, you know, he kicks a lot of goals, but his body just... It's a real concern that he had surgery, what, in July? Mm. And he's nowhere near, nowhere near it. Um, and then he's got the whole soft tissue stuff, which you just mentioned. Uh, as we touched on in the cricket, the Aussies smashed the West Indies to wash, whitewash the series 3-0. Uh, they cruised to the victory at Manuka yesterday by eight wickets. The tourists were bowled out for 86 oh. in less than 25 overs. And the Aussies needed 41 deliveries to chase down the target. Uh, our man, Jake Frazier-McGurk, went ballistic his some of his best shots. Razor McGurk on strike again. Ford bowls. Oh, that's gone. Out of here. And it has gone for six as well. It was a swipe over mid-wicket. And he is treating this West Indies bowling with disdain, Jake Fraser McGurk. Ford bowls again. Fraser McGurk goes again. This one's even bigger. Massive strike. Up into the grandstand over mid-wicket again. Smith punches this through the covers. I'll get two here. And they'll win the series 3-0. The summer of domination from Australia continues. Australia win by eight wickets. What a performance by the home side. Adam, there we go. Adam White and uh, and Donners there behind the mic. Uh, Australia, uh, two for 87, chasing down the West Indies. Uh, score of 86, Xavier Bartlett, uh, the hero with the ball. And as you heard, Jake Fraser-McGurk there, the hero with the bat, 41 off 18 for him. Smithy, though, just should have batted first. As you said, came a few texts coming through saying they couldn't believe it when he won the toss uh, and bowled. So... Uh, would have been nice to bat first. They could have made three fifty odd. Good value for money up there at Manuka for those who would pay three fifty, maybe four fifty, five fifty. Some FA Cup games on this morning as well. Kick off uh, taking place in about five minutes' time. Southampton, Watford, Coventry, Sheffield, Wednesday, and Plymouth Argyle up against uh, Leeds United uh, in the FA Cup. Bunnings Trey can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Now, our choices are flooring Twitter poll, revive and redesign your homes with spaces uh, for living sales up on our Twitter feed or our X feed at the moment, 1116SEN. Make sure you have your say there. Transform your home with spaces for living, revive and redesign sale at Choices Flooring. They've got 20 plus discounted styles. All about the Gold Coast, Kane. Can they get there? Can they not? It's a three-year plan that's been laid out by Bob East on Channel 7. I know you've got uh, some thoughts on that that we're going to get to later. We'll get to Callum Mills. We'll get to the AFL setting the terms of agenda. What a McCafe menu. Can't wait for it. John Longmire, Jason McCartney, and the boss at the AFL, uh, General Manager of Football, Laura Kane. Get involved. one 736 736 Drop us a text on the 40 Wings temper. 0433 98 11 16.
Yes, indeed. Our choices flooring Twitter poll is simple. Uh, at SEM Breakfast is the X handle. Can the Gold Coast Suns win a flag by 2026? Yes or no? No tracking strongly at the moment. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Callum Mills is going to miss the first half of the season due to his uh, infamous Mad Monday mishap cane. The Swans yesterday elevated uh, the academy graduate to the position of sole captain for 2024, something that the, the, uh, the Swans haven't done a lot of in, uh, in the modern era. Were you surprised? Because some people went really hard on him being removed from a leadership position altogether at the back of that incident. Uh, was I supr- Yeah, when I saw Standalone, I was, I was surprised. Um, they had sort of been conditioning us to the fact that this may happen. I think John spoke a couple of weeks ago about... Callum and his leadership, and I thought, oh, okay, he's, he's backing him in. Um, so just just to, when I read the story, you know, didn't blow my socks off, but I was, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Uh, I, I was strong on it. I, I'm strong on players acting like idiots off the field, and not even acting like idiots, putting themselves at risk off the field. Um, and you 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 would know my thoughts on that, and that's been consistent for a long time. You, you're paid to play footy, and, and your your number one tool is your body. And if you don't treat it with respect whilst you're not at training or playing, then you put yourself at risk. And I think clubs in the AFL need to be harder on that and the sanctions need to be harder to the point where I think a player like Callum, if he injures himself in non-football-related activities, shouldn't be paid for the time that he is out. Same goes if you're snow skiing. You can take the risk, go, fine, no worries. But if you get injured, the club shouldn't then have to pay you for the time that you're out. I'm not sure why that's fair for, for clubs if players injure themselves motorbike riding or something like that. But in this instance, clearly, um, he's the he's the best candidate for the job until someone like Errol Goulden can take over. I'm so glad John Longmore has been willing to come on because he can provide some great clarity around the decision. I mean, my information is that the other two co-captains, Dane Rampey and, and, and Lou Parker, went to John Longmore and others at, in a leadership position at Sydney late last season and said, look, you know, it's time. It's it's mm-hmm. time for, for Callum to be the solo captain. And I think there was broad agreement on that. But then the Mad Monday incident happened, which is why there was a lot of anger and a lot of uncertainty there that, that Callum had put himself in a silly situation and would, and would miss at least half a season or more. That, you know, of all the years for you to go and do this, it has to be now. But then once the emotion, I think, went out of it, the anger went out of it, the understanding that this was, I know he put, put himself in a silly position, but it was a freak accident of sorts. Mm. And all the credits, I suppose, that uh, Callum Mills already had in the bank, then it was largely academic that he'd be the captain. And, and Sydney are obviously totally resolute that, that he's the right man and it's at the right call. So they'll rotate the captaincy until he gets back, I suppose. And hopefully that's somewhere around that round 10 to 12 mark this year. Yeah. Are you, one captain, are you, on the whole, is that your preference? Or you're not bothered by... I'm not hung up on that. Like no. Nah. How can I assess what's right for a club who's, uh, who have all the facts and uh, at their disposal? Sometimes it might be two. Obviously, it worked for Sydney to have three. I think they've only gone away from the co-captaincy mm. a couple of times when Josh Kennedy was still there for a couple of years. But certainly from the early 2000s, they've had a co-captaincy model. And it's worked pretty well for them, I would argue, culturally and uh, performance-wise. They've been up there in the, uh, since, 2000, since the mid-2000s, one of the best teams in it. Um, certainly always contending, just about always in finals contention, save for a couple of seasons. So it certainly worked for them. And he's got an, an impressive a CV as any, hasn't he, Callum Mills? I mean, he's, he's a New South Welshman. He's part of the academy. He barracked for Sydney. And he's already an All-Australian and a best and first. So it's nice. It's, this is a nice story for them uh, off the field as well as on, I think. Where's ball tracking technology? Uh, how's, it, how's it going? Got it down. I've got it down to ask Laura Kane. Yeah. Okay. Because so I, the, the it, AFL, according to um, Kautumi and other reports last night, 
are continuing to roll out the ball tracking technology at clubs pre-seasons. They mm. had a testing day last week at Marvel. Uh, Andrew Dillon was out there <laughs> testing his skills with, with the ball. Are we, yeah, I mean, we'll ask Laura about it. And if you've got a question for Laura Kane, send it through 043-98-1116. But it feels like it's going in the right direction to the point where the arc may be obsolete in the near future, hopefully. Yeah, well, there's two layers to the ball tracking. There's one is a football data sort of element and the other is an officiating one. I think you and I are both more interested in the officiating and what it can do for the arc. So I think there's some suggestion it could be trialled in VFL games for for, for premiership points this year. I'm not sure how far away it might be from the AFL. It might be 12 months away. It might be six months. It might be 24 months. But we'll ask Laura Kane where that is at because uh, certainly a little snippet we saw of that last year we thought, geez, thank goodness, could we finally mm, solve mm. the Rubik's Cube that is the arc and the score review system? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. if you've got a question uh, for Laura Kane as well. And Jason McCartney's going to join us up at uh, GWS uh, as well, fresh from a, a little break, I think, Jace, the uh, head of football up there. We'll talk all things the Giants with him at 8.20. Uh, stick around, though. We're powered by Kubota here for over 40 years. I've been making tomorrow matter. They shape and they build Australia together. Uh, a weather update today for City Power. This summer, be prepared for extreme weather. Sign up for SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify Melbourne. Today, only the 20 degrees. I'll see the sun poking up. Kane, Adelaide today, going to be a hot one? Pretty Pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, we're, uh, we've had a good run recently, oh. and I think into the next few weeks it's going to be pretty good. And I'm not sure why you're surprised. Not a cloud in the sky over there. It looks oh. magnificent. You'll be uh, you'll have a top off down the beach later on for a session. That's probably a fact. <laughs> Back after this. Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Just coming up to the 7 o'clock news on this Wednesday morning. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns are with you. Summer breakfast for the second last time. I've got a question without notice for you, Kane. You're an iPhone owner, aren't you? Yes. Why is it, well, it is in my experience, but why is it that the first thing always to go on these things is the charging port? Mine's, having got, mine's gone as well. All sorts of issues. That is unreal. No, so it's, it's a thing, isn't it? What's now, happened to yours? Well, it's just, I've got to just delicately, it's like I'm doing open heart surgery with the scalpel. I've, I've got to get the charger just balanced, just right to hold the lightning uh, symbol. Yep. Otherwise I'm gone. I, so I, mine's gone altogether. I can only charge it wirelessly now. So I'll see you sit it on a little thing. I have to, so try that, but that's annoying as well because I don't have just a lot of those lying around. It's not as easy just to plug it straight in. So Good call. But they need a clean or old. I've tried know. to clean it out. I, I'm a bit scared to get the... I've seen a hack where you get the toothpick in there, but I reckon if you scratch your hand in there too much, that won't be good either. Yeah. It's the well, last that, three iPhones I've had. It's so frustrating. It's annoying. It, it really is. They're not great, are they? Like as, as much as we use them and the technology is terrific, the durability is questionable. Deliberately too, do you reckon? I reckon yeah, half it's deliberate. It has to be. So we go back for more. It has to be. And, you know, the amount of times recently where I've got it on and I've, I've just, I'm tucked up in bed and I'm like, right, the lightning's there. Just nod myself off. Get up in the morning. Just uh, unexplainably, dead. it's, it's oh, dead. No. It just it's, hasn't, it's it slipped off annoying. the charge. Unbelievable. Uh, righto, Laura Kane's going to join us at 7.40. John Longmire uh, out of 8 o'clock. Jason McCartney out of 8.20. Questions without notice after that. We are a hamburger with a lot this morning. But a lot of footy to get to. Start with the AFL commission after the break and the uh, the communication of the clubs yesterday and everything that entailed. And I know you've got some thoughts on what Gold Coast have done 
Uh, I guess they've set the terms for their new man. No honeymoon, up, no honeymoon up there for Damien Hardwick, who's going to have to hit the ground running. The Suns want him to play finals this year as a minimum, and they want a flag in three years. Uh, there's so much to get to. Anthony and East Kilo, you'll just have to sit tight for a moment. But it sounds as though you might have an iPhone solution for us. So we'll get you up quick, back after seven. Nothing beats value parking at Melbourne Airport. Book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast on SEN. Welcome back. Great to have your company. Summer Breakfast. Massive McCafe menu still to come in our final two hours on air today. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns. But geez, Kane, I'm forever grateful for the great people we have listening to this uh, station, this great network, SEN, because the amount of advice coming through on the old uh, charge port is magnificent. Jesse, I used to work in an authorised Apple store. Nine out of ten times the charging port doesn't work because of fluff and dirt inside. Grab a toothpick or tweezers, some people saying earrings here, uh, and get in there. You don't have to be too careful. You'll be surprised how much fluff and lint gets stuck. Get in there, Sammy. Get in there. Get Anthony, aggressive. Anthony's at East Keylor. I promise we'd get to Anthony. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. Morning. I feel your pain because I had this about six months ago. The one thing I'll say is definitely don't stick toothpicks or a toothbrush oh. in there to get oh. the dust out. It can ruin the element. Oh, now I'm confused. Um, so what's the fix, Anthony? Yeah. Literally just go into Apple. There's no charge. They'll take the casing off and get the dust oh. out. Like, it's pretty common if you have your phone a lot in your back pocket of your jeans. Yeah. It builds up a lot of dust. So it's, mm. I get the pain because it's like you have to have it delicately in there and like on the right spot for it to charge. As soon as I took it in, they just took the dust out and then it's fine. Ah, good man. Well, maybe that's the way to do it. That's a... Off the text, that's a common issue. The charge port gets full of cotton from your pocket. And every time, Kane, this texter says that you plug the cable in, it just keeps pushing it all further and further down. A quick trip to Apple, they'll clean it right up for free. So There you go. You got we'll one over that. there in Adelaide you can stop yep, by? Yeah, there's a couple of apples over here in Adelaide. In fact, one is a couple of hundred metres <laughs> from just where checked. I'm sitting. Just They're busy, just though. Like, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to get a staff member when you go into Apple. It is. Um, I want to talk about club strategic plans. I, th- I, I can't wait for this. Now, uh, set the terms because this is in the wake of Bob East on uh, on Channel 7. Now, maybe just uh, to help you out, we might play, for those who missed it, uh, Mitch Cleary from Channel 7 caught up with the, uh, the Gold Coast Suns chairman, Kane, yesterday. And this is the timeline that the boss of the Gold Coast Suns has laid out. Look, I think the pass mark for t- 2024 is finals. We've developed a three-year plan that really goes about uh, setting this organisation up for success in the near term. So I think it is fair to say that we are more mature in our approach and we're ready for success. Kane. A premiership in three years is ambitious. Now, as I said earlier, and I've said before, Brendan Gale's got a lot to answer for. His 2010 interview on... Footy Classified, where he detailed Richmond's plan, the 10-year plan. They aspired to have won their 13th premiership, consistently provide the most exciting and powerful match day experience in the competition. Uh, the plan aimed to have zero debt by 2020. They did all of it. Tick, tick, tick. And he yeah. looked like an absolute genius. But he was laughed um, at initially. He was. And, you know, and, and you can understand why he was laughed at, because it was so bold. But he delivered everything. But the problem now is that we are a copycat industry and so many clubs have tried to copy that. 
the problem is words are words. It's the action that we all care about. Now, so many clubs, and I'll give you a couple of examples, have copied that. My club, Port Adelaide, 2021, chasing greatness. It set out to win three premierships in five years, reach 100,000 members and be debt free. So they essentially have to win the next three premierships and they'll still fail in, in that in that bold uh, in that bold statement. Carlton released the titled Blueprint, which aimed to win two flags by 2015. They sacked two coaches in that period instead, Sammy. Mm. They just, they don't work. Um, they went again, the Blues, in 2019 under Kane Little, the Carlton Way. They had a target to win premierships in the window from 29 to 23. Um, so they... Well, they missed, they missed that window. In 2017, Hawthorne stated that they wanted two flags from 17 to 2022. But not only will they not win flags in that time, they won't even win a final. Yeah. Well, you say they don't work. I mean, is there anything wrong with having a, a, an aim, having yes, an ambition? Because what's the you've point? You've got to, you've like, got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to plan something. You have to have an ambition. You have to have a well, goal. I don't know you if you do. A... I, I don't know if you do. You've got these smart people sitting around board rooms and a lot of them are incredibly successful business people that have had so much success um, in their chosen mm. field. So they come in and go, okay, we'll take what we've learned from business where we can lay out a plan. We need this much revenue. We need blah, blah, blah. And we'll take it into a footy club environment. It doesn't work. And you ask, does every, is there anything wrong with that? Here's Craig Kelly, the CEO of Collingwood. When he took over as CEO, this is, this is before any premiership was won. This was before a ball was bounced in 2023, and this is what he had to say. I think that's the thing that excites me about going back, and I, th I, th I think hopefully this will finish my work career, um, and I want to, you know, 57, and, you know, hopefully I've got a few years to do this, and and, and I'm not going to sit there saying we're going to win flags and stuff. We're just going to do a good job, and, and hopefully the supporters are proud of what the club delivers to them and the fun they have turning up to the footy and screaming and yelling and feeling like it's their club. That's what's really important and exciting. Hmm. Worked and, okay for them. And I don't have a problem with that either. My, my simple thing is, well, is there anything wrong with having an ambition? Like, are the Gold Coast have never finished higher than 12th in whatever it is, their 12 seasons or whatever, and they've finished, you know, bottom of the table three or four times. Is there anything wrong with having a stated aim? Now, yeah. do, do, as, a, as fans, do you get jack of it? Like, if you're a member and your club comes out with a strategic plan, and they're not saying we will win a premiership by 26. They're saying in the men and the women, we've got a three-year plan. We want to win a premiership by 2026. Now, as a fan, do you tire of that? Maybe it means nothing now because they've well, lost their punch. one 736 736 I reckon there'd be some Essendon fans out there going, well, if, if our club released a strategic plan like this, we'd laugh at it. Because we've heard it time and time again. The same with the Blues. Blues fans, surely, over the last 12, 15 years, you've heard this time and time again. Mm. I think it disrespects the rest of the competition and it downplays how hard it is how does to it win a premiership. How does it disrespect because the rest it, of the competition? Because it's, it's an assumption that Gold Coast, who have only won 10 games in a season, that's their most... Like, yeah. Let's have a plan to play a brand of football that resonates with our fans to give it, to really hold each other well, I'm sure that's in the their plan. I'm that, sure that's in their plan. Well, tell us that. Don't tell us you're going to win a premiership in three years when you've never played a final. That That is disrespectful to the rest of the competition. Now, there's no malice in what they're doing. Uh, it's, it's not a serious offence, but I just get, I laugh. Every, and every club does it through the preseason, and, and they won't be the only club in the next couple of weeks that will release a strategic plan well, which lays out a mission to win premierships. But... Do what, do what Craig Kelly has said. 
employ a coach that wants to play exciting, competitive football. The fans want to buy memberships, merchandise. They want to attend the games. That makes the club profitable. So spare me the, the advertising jargon where you've got butcher's paper put up in a boardroom and everyone's sitting around going, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, well, ha- how about we want to have, you know, seven premierships in the next 50 years like Hawthorne have said? How ridiculous. It's they their aim. It- it's not their guarantee. It's just their aim. So would you prefer them just to keep it quiet, keep it in-house? No, I'd prefer uh- I'd prefer to say what Craig Kelly has said. Look, we're, we, we've got a coach now mm. who is determined to play a really exciting brand that our fans want to come and watch and we're going to give un, uh, unwavering effort week in and week out. We're going to hold each other really accountable to the standards. We're going to drive it hard. And where that gets us, well, we're pretty confident where it will, but you've got to factor in that there's 17 other teams out there that are doing the same thing. Yeah. So I'm I not find... going to stand up here and guarantee anything. We need to actually get this club on the right tracks and that is towards finals not winning premierships in three years when you've never even experienced September. Yeah, I find clubs, well, particularly Gold Coast, are in almost no-win situation because if they don't come out with a with a bold plan or an aim like that, you know, they get accused of being irrelevant, poor performing, they're off-Broadway, they, they stand for nothing, what do they stand for, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas at least this, they're in the fight, okay? They've got their hand up, they've got that, they've got a dog in the fight, they're putting their well, name to so. it. You'd hope so. I mean, how many years they've been in this? Well, that's, my po- that's my point. That's my point. coach. They've been. It's a narrow hit zone with them, isn't it? Like, that many draft picks. It's not fun. They're not like, ambitious enough. They're not ambitious enough. They stand for nothing. Oh, they, they shouldn't be saying this. It's too over the top. It's disrespectful to the cop. Like it's a pretty narrow hit zone for a for a club like. What, are, what are the words mean though? Well, yeah. what do those? Well, nothing unless mean? they back them up. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, but it's an aim at the moment, isn't it? It's not a guarantee. Uh, Callum Mills. Uh, Jason's in St Albans. He's the standalone captain of the Sydney Swans, and John Longmire is going to join us out of 8 o'clock. Good morning to you, Jase. Yeah, g'day, guys. Look, I, I just want to preface this by saying I'm a 52-year member, and I love Callum Mills. And and, I, and I'm all for the standalone captain, our 150th year. It's a very prestigious honour, I would have thought. But I'm just not sure about this. Now, I would have... You know, he was a, he was a co-captain with Dane Rampey and Luke Parker last year. And I'm thinking if they're choosing out between those three, then Luke Parker needed to be the man. And I and, and I think, you know, what happened pre-season uh, or in the Mad Monday really should have come into it. And I, I just don't understand it. He's not going to be there for the first half of the year. I mean, when you talk to John Longmore, I want to understand the reasoning behind it. Can you please ask? Oh, absolutely, Jason. Yeah, and, and, and that, I think, is a big part of the reason why John's been willing to come on uh, this morning so that they can be proactive and get on the front foot with these things. Because I think a lot of people are like you, Jason, from the outside, you know, pretty surprised that um, that he's particularly the standalone captain. And some people had him removed from a leadership position altogether, which is pretty drastic. But out of that Mad Monday uh, incident, but um, we'll definitely ask those questions of, uh, of the coach of the Sydney football. It's interesting how some teams, um, well, how it differs between teams on how they choose their leadership groups and, and their captains. Some put a lot of weight and most of the weight on the player vote and essentially the players vote for who they want to, to lead the club. Others take the player input but then the coaches will make the call, the final call on that. So we'll ask, we'll ask John about you know the 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 way that Sydney 
have appointed this captain and how influential was the playing group in it. You can have your say on the premiership plan as well. Kane's put on the agenda. Not overly happy with what the Gold Coast Suns have uh, have laid out. Uh, the Demons got their plan, says uh, 625, premiership and the men and the women's. And this one from 286, you can't have, oh, it's Matt rather, from Orange, you can't have a rudderless ship, Kane, without direction. You have to aim for something, otherwise you are lost. So that's coming through off the text of this well, one, you, but a lot of support for you too. I 100% agree with Kane on this one. There is far too much rubbish talk in the entire industry as a whole, and we will hear it soon uh, again from another club or from the AFL or for whoever else. So yeah, um, it's a big statement, no doubt about that. And as this texter says, Mick, they usually fail. They should aim to just win more games in the previous season and play more consistent football, which is further to your point. Hawthorns was my favourite. I think they got ahead of themselves with the success that they had. Um, in 2017, they stated that they wanted two flags from 2017 to 2022. But not only that, uh, they went on to say they want 20 premierships in total by 2050. So that was, at the time, seven in the next 27 years. So that's extending the strategic plan a fair way out to 2050, Sammy. It is. The president who devised the plan is no longer there. <laughs> well, Peter Schwab back in the back in the day, it might have been in the early 2004, said we, uh, in the pre-season, we will win Guaranteed the premiership. It, we it? will win the premiership. Yeah. So they've become a little bit more refined since then. You remember Mick Moltes at Carlton and he's, uh, he's, he, they had a pamphlet at a pre-season practice match, an intra-club, a note from the coach and the, the, the unmistakable line in it was, I just can't see us losing a game this year. So <laughs> that might have come back to bite them a little bit. I'm still not sure what Mick was trying to get at there. Uh, Dan's up in the Northern Territory. I want to talk about uh, the newly installed solo captain of the Sydney Swans. How you going, Dan? Morning, gentlemen. How are we? We're well. Right. Mate, I was just thinking, like, you're talking about how Mills made a mistake. I don't know how you guys parent your kids and everything, but I know with my son, and I do a bit of mentoring with some young fellas, when you make a mistake, you, I think some kids and some people, if you're given them, if you turn around and go, right, mate, you made a mistake, we see the remorse, you're doing that, we still believe in you, we still trust, you've done everything else right, but you made a mistake, and it can pay dividends for you, and I think that's exactly what Horse Longmire has done. He's realised that the He's a great guy. He's done everything. He made a mistake. But rather than throwing him to the wolves, he's going, mate, but now I need you to step up. Yep. Yeah, well said, Dan. Yeah, well said. And clearly that's the way Sydney have gone. Callum speaking yesterday in the press conference did say, though, for his point, for his mind, Kane, that uh, he did fear for a period of time that he was going to lose the, the leadership position. But Sydney have clearly backed him in, as, as Dan says, and um, well, there's nothing wrong with that either. He would have enormous credit in the bank. Uh, Mark's in uh, Brisbane. He wants to talk... Uh, he's a Hawthorne fan. wants to talk premiership plans uh, with you, I think, Kane. How are you, Mark? Yeah, good. Sammy, yourself? Yeah, we're going well here. That's all right. Kane, are you there? Yes, mate. Far away. How are you, bud? Uh, you know, you said about Hawthorne, 2017, two premierships and all that kind of stuff before, and they're, you know, they're 50 years, seven premierships. Yeah. I think you forget, mate, back in 2000, I think it was 2008, Jeff's going to come out and said um, all their plan was five to 50, so that was two premierships in five years and 50,000 members. They yep. achieved the 50,000 members. They missed out by the two flags in that five years, but then went on to win three in a row after that. So, yeah, they, you know, Clark was going back to the well, a bit like what Geelong's done. You know, they mm. went for another two. Um, thought he could have done that. And, you know, we're the most successful club in the last 60 years, mate. We've won a premiership every decade. So, yeah, you know, no, to try I'm not, and aim I'm not for seven denying... in 50 years, mate, that's a fair, you know, you've got to strive for something. 
Yeah, and I'm not I'm not denying the success of the Hawthorne Football Club. I'm incredibly envious of it. Um, of such a you know, if you're a supporter of Hawthorne, you've hardly missed, have you? In terms of experiencing those sets of success that you've had, but it just what's the point of it? Well, Tom what's in Geelong, point of it? Tom in Geelong, gain. I just laugh at any future success plan whenever That's... the Dockers announce anything. It's been thirty years of disappointment so far, so I don't try and sell anything. Other than more disappointment, because that's all that I'm used to. That's pretty pretty dark. Uh, people said Brendan Gale's three premierships in 10 years was rubbish also. And look what happened to the Tigers. You need to have a vision and some goals to get there. You can't blame the Gold Coast for having some ambition. Finally, from Jeff. There's ambition and there's ambition. That does suggesting <laughs> that you can win a premiership in three years when you've never played a final. Does that take it to the extreme? Um, it's a, it's a short plan. Three years is a short plan, but Hey, I don't think we're denying they've got a young talented list. So to suggest well, they can make, want to. suggest they can make finals this year is not a stretch. In fact, you've got them well and truly in there, the softest draw, et cetera, et cetera, the yeah. Hardwick effect. So finals this year flagged by 2026, it's not outrageous for me. Well, I, I, so the question I'm asking is, do you like your club setting these lofty goals with advertising agency jargon, with PowerPoint documentaries that are released to Butcher's fans, paper, you called it. Seen. Well, it starts on Butcher's paper <laughs> and then it's formed into a nice little neat, neat, shiny PowerPoint presentation that's sent out to the fans. It's not worth the paper that it is written on. Don't open the email attachment if you get one from your club. Do what Collingwood did. Employ a coach that is passionate, it plays an exciting brand of football that you want to go and watch, that is profitable, that makes money, that, that makes you want to go and buy the Guernsey of your favourite player, and the rest will take care of itself. Oh, we need to get to a break. Richard's sort of tied it back to your running experiences. He says, good morning. Get Kane to read Built to Last. It's a book about setting big goals and articulating it. It may change your mind. Kane, you ran from Adelaide to Melbourne. Did you just do it? Did you set a goal? Did you tell anyone? Yeah, but Cheers, you know what I Richard. did? You know what I did, Richard? My goal was, okay, I'm going to go 5K here. And then when I get to 5K, I'm going to go another 5K. And then, you know what, I'm going to stop and have breakfast at 20K. I break, I break it down into that. I didn't say at the start, right, I'm, I'm going to get there in 10 days. And then, how good's this? Didn't I'm you? going to get there in this time. Like, no, I didn't. Oh. You break it down. So I think for Gold Coast, they've got to break it down. And to break it down, you've got to experience the style of play that will lead you to experience success in September that we haven't seen yet. I think it's disrespectful to just leapfrog about 15 steps and say oh, we're going to win a premiership in three it's years. It's not quite going to have the same effect if you say we've got a 12-month plan to finish eighth. That's not quite as sexy, is it? <laughs> so you've got to have it. You can no one aspires to that. You've got to have an ultimate well, goal. Well, Craig Kelly didn't care about sexy, <laughs> did he? And it worked okay for him. He's at Collingwood. A little bit different. Conversation starters are for the drain man. You've got drain problems. Call the experts. The drain man. Uh, the results from the commission meeting. Arian will work our way through those in a moment. John and Richard will get to you as well after this break. Autoflip, where over 1,000... Summer Breakfast on SEN. Coming up to 7.30, Laura Kane not too far away. The uh, AFL has uh, set the rules for 2024, Kane. All sorts of changes, which we'll get to, Laura, about the smother rule. Of course, players are now liable if they uh, leave the grand a la Braden Maynard. Rundown tackles we've spoken about. Uh, ruck contest, which is a, just a, such a frustrating rule anyway that you couldn't straight arm a, an opposition ruckman. The Max Gorn rule, I call this one. 
He'd be the happiest ruckman in the competition at the moment. Mm. Fend-offs as well. When a player fends off an opponent now and makes high contact, the, the classic don't argue, that's going to be deemed striking. Graded as intentional rather than careless. That, Sorry. That's going to upset some people. Uh, naming of the sub, we know about. It's going to be four in a sub, no five on the bench. Um, and there's all sorts of changes uh, in, uh, in, in the wording of the tribunal cases, which there'll be less of. Rundown tackles and the like, um, and a whole heap of procedural amendments as well. And no whistling, no longer tolerated on the interchange bench. So if we work through them, um, the smother one, if we're going to give it a tick or a cross and whether we think it's going to win, it'd oh. be good for the game or not. The smother rule is null and void because rarely going to happen. So insignificant. Uh, the rundown tackles, I'm giving that a cross. I think that's going to set us up for disaster. Ruck contest tick. Fendoff's. Cross, I can't believe you could f- penalise a player at the tribunal for trying to fend off a tackle and insignificant contact could uh, cause you to go to the tribunal. So that's that's a cross. Naming a sub is definitely a win. Um, tick. The finals ranking is a tick and, and whistling's neither here nor there either really. It won't affect the fans or, or the players yep. or, or the clubs necessarily. So, I mean, whilst it's some change... In in essence, there's nothing really significant. It's not like when Stephen Hawking brought in the stand rule and six six and six and dramatic changes to the game. There's nothing dramatic that the AFL has done, um, but we'll find out what else is in the works as well, including you know the reason to not include mid mid season trading this year as well as some of the more significant rule adjustments that they've opted not to go down that path. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. the 40 Wings temper text. If you've got a question you'd like to uh, uh, ask to ask the general manager of football at the AFL. John's in Belmont. John, morning. Good morning, Kane. John um, A. I'm just thinking, Gemma's probably said premiership in three years. Maybe he's thinking, I need a carrot to keep him into the club so no one wants to leave and everyone's thinking, oh, I'm going to get a premiership mm. in a few years. Oh, player retention strategy. She's a bold one, John, if that's the case. Yeah, well, I mean, you can say this does stuff yeah. internally, and, and that can be your goals internally. My view is, do you need to release it with shiny PowerPoints? Not the Gold Coast have done that necessarily, but you need to release that information publicly. John, thank you. Uh, Richard's in Turak before we get to the news. Richard, what did you make of it? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Look, the best example... Uh, was that North Melbourne story that I've, I've seen a couple of times here. It's just an amazing thing. But they bent the rule. They had the, they had the ambition, for sure. They wanted to win so many premierships in five years. But then they actually went and did something, the board. They went and gave bags of money to players to bring them in. So it's, and unfortunately, the AFL these days is like... I don't know, communist China or, or Russia. You've got a dictatorship or, a, or an environment where you don't have the ability to do what you want to do. You've got to go you know, by certain rules. So no matter what you say, unless you can actually carry out some real action at board level, you know, provide enough money to buy players like they do in, you know, in the soccer game, I mean, uh, they just work. Richard, thanks for the call. Uh, we've got to get to the newsroom because we've gone past 7.30. I want to devote as much time as we can to, to Laura Kane. Greg, I know you're on the line as well. We might get to you. If you're willing to wait, we'll squeeze you in straight after the, the news headlines with Nathan Gardner. Hang around. Good on you, Nath. Uh, Greg's in Kalaroo, uh before we get to the break and Laura Kane on the other side. Uh, thanks for hanging on there, Greg. Yeah, no worries at all. Uh, Sammy, I liked your argument yesterday with Kane, um, but uh, you missed the last point on the uh, nomination of the ruck and oh, yep. how to turn into chaos. Um, the 
If 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 you don't nominate, then um, basically you could just have a midfielder stand in front of Max Gorn, and yeah. uh, he'd never get near the ball. Um, so you of can't course block, you've got to nominate. You can't block. You can't block a ruckman. You can't block. You can't have the yeah, midfielder who's, block. Who's Max the ruckman? Gorn's who's the ruckman if you haven't nominated? If if the Bont and Tim English are there, or if Jackson and Darcy are there, who's the ruckman? And so if you're blocking one guy and he says, oh, it's a ruck, then you get a free kick. But yet, you know, the, how do you know who the ruckman is? Well, you don't need to know who the ruckman is. You just need well, then one how, player how do you from block each team it? contesting. Yeah, but you're saying it, that you can't block a ruckman. Well, so if he stands in the way there. of Max... If the midfielder stands in the way of Max Gorn and he doesn't contest the ruck, that's a block. Yeah, but you, you're suggesting that Max Gorn's the ruckman. Who says he's a ruckman if he hasn't nominated? What if, what if what Jackson and if... what if Jackson and Darcy are standing there at a stoppage for Frio? Jackson, and, yeah, we, we said that we said that yesterday. We because yeah, so if he doesn't, can, but he can't stand in front of him and not contest the ruck. Like it's it's pretty. I mean, we had it for we had it for that long. It's not again, funny, Kane. Right? Which one's ruckman? So you it can't stand in front who of the, who. So so go back and look at the way the game was adjudicated for yeah, hundred years before we, before we it. had before we had Auskick. Yeah, where you need to you put your hand up and, Greg's, Greg's and raise right. it to right. We're going around in circles, but there there was a, a third third man up rule didn't apply then, which is which is I think what Greg is saying as well. Anyway, you didn't we'll, have the third man up going up every time. We, we, that was a rare occurrence. We had a third man up. Not going not up. by the end it was, and that's why that rule was brought in. Clubs had turned it into a they were they were doing it all the time. Um, um, anyway, we'll break because we're going around in circles. I think Josh Jenkins is on record saying he used to try to trick the umpire into pretending that he was a nominated ruck and he'd try to get a free kick out of it and all sorts of things going back. It only might have happened a couple of times, but he, I think he, I have to find those quotes. Anyway, we need to get to a break because uh, there's some other things. Thanks for call, Greg. We need to get to with Laura Kane, who's the AFL Executive General Manager of Football, of course. Uh, there's lots to get to with Laura. If you've got a question, drop it in the text 0433981116. Conversation starters there for our mates at the Drain Man. Drain problems. Make sure you call the experts, the Drain Man. Breakfast on SEN. Great to have your company. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns uh, with you up until 9 o'clock, of course. Well, the AFL yesterday finalised the terms of engagement for season 2024. They informed the 18 clubs of a series of alterations from the field to the interchange bench and to the tribunal after consulting them last year. And those changes were this week rubber stamped by the commission. And it's a great pleasure to have the AFL's Executive General Manager of Football, Laura Kane, with us this morning. Laura, thanks a lot and welcome to SEN. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Good morning to you. It's, it's, I know it's been spoken about a lot, but the so-called uh, Maynard rule, if you like, regarding the attempted smothers, uh, the latest in a line of perhaps, what is it, 30 alterations now designed to make the game safer, of course, which I think we all understand, and, and the class action's ongoing and the increasing awareness around concussion. Uh, do you accept at all that you will only be able to make the game safer to a point, that there will be an inevitable line reached here, Laura, where the risks taken by the players are you know, inherent? The games continue to evolve. So I think we've we've been making changes over the past couple of years, 30, as you mentioned, in terms of ongoing change. And the game, I think the footy's gotten better. So the football has been able to evolve and develop and it's as spectacular as we've seen it all at the same time. So that part, you know, fills us with confidence in terms of the direction that we're going. And like we said yesterday and have said all along, we're not 
um, we're not shying away from that, that we need to make the game safe and we need to continue to improve the quality. And I think we can do both. Just while we're on the subject of concussion, I think you might have even touched on this yesterday, but we were discussing it, Kane and I, yesterday. I guess the suggestion that players could sign, you know, waivers to avoid future litigation, maybe protect the fabric of the game as a number of texters are, are putting it this morning. Why hasn't, can you educate us here? No one is a lawyer in here, by any stretch of the imagination, but is that something that can be done, can't be done? Where, where does that all sit, that whole suggestion? I haven't been a lawyer for a long time either, <laughs> so I'm well and truly in um, footy now. But, uh, I mean, the, the approach that we take is by way of our medical experts. So, uh, you know, as you guys know, coaching, high-performance, medical staff, we have some of the best people in the world working at our clubs, and we have six medical experts working at the AFL on this very topic. So... We know that they're meticulous with how they plan training. We know that they want to protect the players. They want the players, you know, they being clubs, want the players out there more than we do Mm. uh, for their fans and to win games of footy. So in terms of the the care that we know is provided for our players at Clubland, we feel really good about that. We want people to feel safe playing our game. So I won't talk to waivers or the legal overlay of this. Our focus is on the rules, the on-field product, and then the processes. What happens? What does a return to play look like? And we we feel confident that the process that we have in place, uh, one, is well-placed with the current research, but also is evolving and listening and taking on all of the feedback. Some would say I'm an alarmist, Laura, but I'm concerned that the knee to the head may become a real issue. And by extension, that means that the high mark would be in danger. Has that come up in any of your conversations about safety for players? I I also think sometimes you might be an alarmist too. So good (laughs) observation. (laughs) But no, I, I... we look at all instances. So there's so many contact. It's a contact spot. There's so many instances around the grounds and moments that happen that can be of risk. But so many, on so many occasions, they're not of risk, and they're what the, that makes the game great and spectacular. And they're the moments we all remember. I mean, we we award mark of the year. Like we want to celebrate those individual moments but we have to make sure that they're safe. So we think that players can continue to contest the ball, particularly in a pack mark setting, and not Mm. necessarily hurt each other. Accidents happen on a footy field, and we know that. We understand that in the context of a game, things will happen and people will unfortunately get hurt. So what we're trying to reduce is the instances that we can control. And so if it's how you bring that player down to ground or how you tackle that last motion or that second motion, that's what we're focused on at the moment. Mm. But but right now a player can run back with the flight of the ball and legally his opponent can drive his knee into the jaw of that player who can't see what's coming in, in the guise of contesting a mark or a spoil and that's still legal. Now some of the highlights we've had in the game used to be the big bumps and the big tackles. That is now gone. Uh, my concern would be that at some stage legally or through the safety and care of the players, you're going to have to make a call on this or, or not. I mean, play, you know, players go out there to contest the ball and win games of footy. They don't go out there to hurt each other. We'll continue to look at it, but we've made so many changes to different aspects of the game, the different ways players interact with each other on field, and the footy's gotten better. So what mm. I feel good about is, if we had to evolve to a place that makes the game safer in another aspect of the game, we most certainly will. But we know that players adapt. And I think that we can have players running back with 
with the flight of the ball and to take a mark and, you know, those moments that make the game so special, I think we can still see those uh, without players getting hurt. So I, I feel good about where it's going. We're speaking to the Executive General Manager of footy at the AFL, Laura Kane. Laura, the changes that are made are there and everyone would have seen them by now. Just some of the others that, uh, look, the 666 warning is remaining. I mean, uh, my question is why? Uh, how much time was given, if any, um, to, to potentially removing it, given it's been in place for so long? We're looking at it. It uh, adds a little bit of a delay to the game, which we don't want to see, but we felt that we will go with it for another year and just monitor how many times it happens. But that's most definitely on our radar for something that we think clubs have adapted to. Mm. Is last possession out of bounds on your radar as well? Uh, Laura, it's getting pretty strict, the interpretation of insufficient intent. What's your discussions around that been? Yeah, we've been looking. I mean, we've got the AFLW competition um, that gives us a good marker, but we also look at the Sandform Waffle mm. um, and different changes that they make, whether it be around, you know, um, last touch or the bounce, you know, any aspect of the game that they alter and looking at what that does to the on-field product. So we'll continue to look at it, but no no, um, uh, you know, intention to change it in the AFL competition at the moment. The bounce is obviously safe for the foreseeable future? It is. And the your off season, if there is such a thing, score review fact finding, where and who and the the review system, where's that at in terms of ball chip technology? I mean, could we see it in the VFL this year? And and I ask for the officiating overlay, of course. I know there's all sorts of footy data possible with it as well. We've had a really good look around the world. Had a look at what they're using, both on their equivalent um, in different sports, in goal line technology, and then around the ground. I think the unique part around our uh, field uh, is the curve nature of the line. So mm. technology doesn't um, love that as much as it loves the straight line, but mm. we're focused on the goal line technology and what that could look like. So ball tracking is going really well. We had a trial at Marvel just last week and we've tried it at another venue, a smaller venue, just to see how it interacts um, without all the concrete and without the all the seats and both have worked tremendously well. So Anything is possible. Uh, we've had it in AFL preseason men's training over the past couple of months. So clubs have all been using them mixed in with their normal Sharons. And we'll have a look at whether State League or uh, AFLW, VFLW is the best way to go in terms of introducing that technology. Can you explain how it would work? Like, is it the, the umpire getting a notification in their ear because something's, you know, you've been notified that the ball's hit the post? Or, yeah, I'm struggling to picture how it could work. Yeah, so the, the ball has a chip in it that picks up a whole heap of different data points and different information. So uh, there's, there's a stream around the game itself. So it's tracking things like congestion and ball speed. So we don't have direct metrics for either of those two things. And how can we start to understand where the ball's going, how quickly it's going and where the players are relative to the footy. So there's a football performance game analysis stream to it. In terms of score review, most of it uh, centres around what what the ball touches and also what lines it crosses. And so it's quite quite good in terms of uh, tracking when the ball has crossed the line and if anything has happened to the ball when that ball has crossed the line, say a, a flat finger or a post brush mm. uh, it can pick that up so yes the idea is that the technology um, is instant and I saw it in action the other day uh, and tells our officials what has happened so we just need to work out how much testing we need to do to make sure that we're confident to use that technology in officiating 
but uh, we've already started using it in, term, in terms of uh, data collection from a game analysis perspective. Uh, Laura, the competitive balance review that your team is embarking upon, you know, big project, of course, 18 teams, 24 rounds, nine teams in, in one city, obviously has a lot of elements to it. Uh, the, the more contentious, you know, going back to last draft, was the NGA and the Northern Academy systems. You know, Gold Coast all over the headlines, of course, for the, their four first rounders via the Academy and the 20% discount when it comes to matching them. Is that in any danger of being changed? Absolutely. We look at all of those mechanisms of player movement and I don't think any danger of being changed necessarily is the best conclusion. It is. It should be evolved and it should move with the times. And if we want the game to look like the community and reflect the community, then we have to do that. The competitive balance review process has been just terrific. Our clubs have been extraordinary in the contribution that they've made. I've um, seen all the emails come through last week and they're very long. So there's a lot of thoughtful information that we will contemplate and make sure that the player movement mechanisms all work together and they help our clubs build lists and programs that reflect the diverse nature of our community. So that is really important to me. You know, is really important to our clubs. And just with the NGA, obviously it's a 40-pick window where clubs can't match bids. I know there were some clubs upset about that. Could that be adjusted in the, in the near future? We're looking at that with the Next Generation Academy. It, it uh, was previously introduced, as you both would know well, um, without that cap on it. And we're looking at what it would look like if we went back to uh, an ability for clubs to pick in the higher um, rounds of this draft. Uh, I know we're nearly out of time, and apologies, it's been a bit of a hot potato as far as the topics are concerned. Mm. Mid-season trade period, definitely next year, would you say? We're looking at it. We're really open to it. I like the idea of it. I think it can play an important role in player movement generally, and I think the fans will love it. So I think it will create a lot of attention, uh, but it has to be right, and it has to work for the clubs. And as you said just before, it has to work in with things like Next Gen and mm. Northern Academies and any other bidding system that we have to make sure that we're not inadvertently creating um, more grief for our clubs in terms of their list builds. And if someone does wolf whistle during a game this year, what, what happens to them? <laughs> they won't be wolf whistling. They'll be following the rules, so we won't have to worry about that. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time, Laura. Um, you've had a big few days, of course. They're all big, we know that. But uh, great to have you on, and, and thanks for donating your time with us this morning. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank there you, you go, Laura Kane there, the executive GM of footy at the AFL, Kano. Uh, just some news out of Carlton. Glenn McFarlane reporting that back-to-back uh, -back gold medalist Charlie Curnow, who's been elevated to the Carlton's leadership group for the first time, and he's joined best and fairest winner Jacob Wiedering and star midfielder Sam Walsh <laughs> as co-vice-captains. Thank God. I supporting... thought you were about to say he's done a hammy or a calf No, or no. He's a vice-captain vice of the footy club. So, I mean, it's been a, a good evolution of, of him from the time where we couldn't get him on the park to, to where he is now, vice-captain of the Blues. A break. Back in a moment. A breakfast on SEN. Just coming up to the 8 o'clock news, uh, John Longmire will be on the other side of that, the coach of the Sydney Football Club, Callum Mills, the sole captain. Uh, I enjoyed that chat with Laura Kane. We're, we're looking at it. They're looking at a lot of things, aren't they, Kane? They're looking at a lot. Um, the, the, the ball tracking stuff's the exciting part out of it. Yeah. 
Like this seems to be not far away from a, a real solution and, and, and the, a viable one. The six six six. It sounded as though they gave a lot of thought to changing. Now my understanding is out of the grand final gave them a lot of um, uh, calls for for reflection uh, and discussion. It sounds as though that was definitely something that might be on borrowed time. Uh, before we get to the news quickly, Caleb's in uh, Brighton. Caleb, welcome. Morning, Cara. Morning, Sam. Uh, just a quick one on the rule change regarding the fend-off in a tackle. Uh, yeah. Intentional striking. Can't say I'm the biggest fan of that. With someone with the ball in hand being penalised for trying to break a tackle, it's do not like that at all. Uh, you wouldn't be on your own with that one, Caleb. I know Kane had his eyebrows raised when I read through that one earlier. And yeah, just know that it's going to happen at some stage through the year and we'll be outraged. Uh, Nathan Gardner's got the news. Horses after that. Breakfast on SEN. Awesome to have you with us. Sam Edmund, Kane Corns with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Or Kane, All-Australian, best and fairest winner Callum Mills. He's a New South Welshman. He was a Swans fan growing up. He was a Swans Academy graduate. And now he's the sole captain of the Sydney Football Club. And it's an appointment that may have surprised a few outside the Sydney Football Club, given Callum will miss half the year with a shoulder injury suffered in that self-inflicted postseason incident. But we're so glad that the coach of the club, John Longmore, has been willing to join us this morning. Hi, John. Great to talk to you. G'day, Sam. G'day, Cam. Great. Hey, just, just before we get to your backyard, we, we just had uh, Laura Kane on. Uh, the, I guess the process to get to a point where the league get to to alter the rules. Are, are you satisfied as a coach of one of the 18 clubs, uh, John, that you are consulted enough? I think, you know, as far as um, we had plenty of time to be able to, um, you know, put in that what we thought. I mean, that, that sent out to all the football managers, all the GMs of football, and you, you go through a reasonably extensive process in regards to that. Um, I'm always a big favor, in favour, though, of getting everyone in the one room and, um, and, uh, and talking about it. Um, you know, there's a process, a, a formal process you go through as far as writing down some suggestions, but there's nothing like face-to-face contact and... Uh, it'd be great to be able to sit in the one room and, and throw things around and, and hear what everyone's got to say. I think that's uh, that to me is um, a great opportunity for the for the industry. Just one more on the rules. I mean, are you satisfied broadly with the announcement? I mean, were you, uh, for example, one for five on the bench, John, or were you happy with four and a sub? I'm okay at the moment. I'm, I didn't get, get caught up in it too much. I mean, uh, I understand. I think that's the change as far as the announcement of the teams, I think that was common sense. Mm. Um the, um, I think that the, the challenge maybe with the five would be um, getting the right game time into those guys, and you know, there's, there's pros and cons for everything. Um, if everyone's got an opinion on either, um, I'm okay with it as, as it is at the moment, um, and uh, and happy to go with the status quo in that regard. You've got a sole captain, Callum Mills. Was it uh, an easy choice in the end, or a one that you had to um and ah about? Uh, I, I guess kind of if you um, the evolution of of Callum's um, captaincy um, or, or he's, it has been reasonably um, obvious to those internal, I guess, of the Swans for a long time. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's just got a great ability to be able to um, think team and, and, um, and, and do things in regards to, um, you know, on the ground as, as far as setting the, the tone and um, you know, off the ground has been superb for a long period of time. So from that regards, I always, and I think everyone internally, or most people internally, would have thought that was a natural progression for Callum. I um, mean, obviously, what happened at the end of the year, it's, um, 
it certainly didn't change our minds, but it, we needed to put a bit of time in between that and and um, the announcement yesterday. And um, everyone makes mistakes, as Callum's put his hand up to. But in the end, um, he was he was the the man to lead us forward. And you know, we've got full faith in him to be able to to learn from his experiences, but also be just a wonderful captain for this footy club. So am I right to assume, John, that, um, you know, at some stage later on in the season that obviously uh, Luke and Dane, you, you, your other co-captains had come to you and said, look, it's probably the right time for, for Callum. He's ready. And then this incident happens. It's probably of all the years that Callum, who's got, an, I imagine, enormous amount of credits in the bank, uh, would have been a headache that you probably could have could have done without, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably fair to say. You, you know, you. Um, I think everyone expected to Callum to to get to this position, and um, and that was something that um, you know obviously no one expected. And and in the end, you you deal with it, and and that's part of what happens at, um, in life is that you deal with some some things that get thrown up, and and you and you have to negotiate the best way forward. And the best way forward for this footy club was was still to have Callum as sole captain, mm. um, and and that's ultimately what we sort of fell back on is. Is um, you know the players knew it, the players understood it. Um, they were they were really keen for that to happen, and in the end, it was a internally certainly a, a reasonably obvious choice for us. Just before we leave him, perhaps how's he actually going with his recovery? When do you hope to to I guess have him available if you've got a rough timeline at the moment? And I imagine you'll share the the fill in duties while he's uh, rehabbing. Yeah, look, he's coming on really well. He's doing a fair bit of training for us. Obviously, not, none of the contact work, um, but he's still running around and. And doing some drills and um, and moving really well. I mean, the, the challenge will be we'll have to hold him back, um, saving from himself, I guess, to some degree. Um, mm. In regards to trying to push, you'd be pushing really hard to to get back and play. And you know, we're talking around that around the mid season, um, hopefully a bit earlier. But we're not locking anything in at the moment. Um, we'll just keep it open and um, and see where he progresses. But also, you know, it'll be up to the surgeon about when he gets back. It won't be up to what we say. If you if you look at your uh, predicted best twenty two, it's as strong as anyone's, John. The, the changes you made in the off season after not doing a whole lot the year before at the trade period, you were quite aggressive. You brought in some experience. What did your review of last season suggest that you need to get better at to to be competing uh, on prelim final weekend or grand final weekend this year? Yeah, I mean, you get to a stage, Kane, every year where you sort of look at you know what you need, and we felt that probably this time last year, coming off the grand final. Um, you know, we were a really young team in that 22 grand final and uh, we played the most experienced team in the competition at that year and, and we started last season I think with 14 uh, players that hadn't played senior footy which was the most in the competition and mm. we'd already had a young young team in the grand final and we knew that um, you know, if we had a good injury run we'd be okay but if the injuries stacked up um, you know, we'd, we'd be stretched a little bit and uh, we had that last year probably for the first you know, bit of the pre-season, certainly through the pre-season, the first half of the year, we were stretched a little bit with injuries, which tested us a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of things in regards to list management and obviously cap issues and you, and you look at different things that fit in and whether you can get players at different times. And, and we knew that, you know, this time last, or sorry, the end of last year was an opportunity for us to get a bit of experience. We still lost Lance and, and Hick and a couple of others, you know, a fair bit of games still walked out the door. Um, and, but you know, we were still you know, really pleased to get those players in and help us, you know, across the across the on the ground, but also in meetings and you know, just helping those younger players develop and and get the most out of what we think is a really talented group. 
Mm. I've got to ask you about Errol Gordon, John. I mean, you've been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, he's 21 years of age. I, f- I feel like calling him a kid. And I know you'd be loath to make comparisons with those who have gone before him. But, jeez, is he as good as you've seen it? His, finals, his final against Carlton was amazing. His, his season was amazing. How, how far can he go? Oh, he's, he's very good. I mean, you know, he and Chad, there's a few of them that are, that are um, you know, that are good young players that have got a bit of footy, and they've played a bit of footy even, that, you know, they've come really straight into the team mm. virtually from, from day one and we've, we've we really backed them in and they've been terrific because they've been, you know, mature um, in their minds and, and great footballers as far as their potential to get better and better and Errol's a case of, you know, he, he does things, he's a very good player but he's also completely team orientated, he thinks, um, you talk to him on the bench, he knows what he's going on, he, he gets his team, uh, he gets the roles absolutely spot on most of the time and you know that's a real credit to any player let alone a young player and um and so you know his ability to do that has been outstanding uh, he's just great to work with you've got to hold him back and you love players that you have to do that with he he's an academy graduate as well of course um and i just wonder do you feel like you're constantly academy system and northern academies i'm speaking of as well is constantly under attacks pretty strong but do you feel like it's on stable ground or you've always got to go and defend yourself and, and the system oh, i think the, the challenge is when you when you step back from it and you look at the amount of players that, you know we've got say from new south wales on our list or GWS or the, or the Queensland teams um, on their list, local teams, local players from their local areas compared to every other club, it's quite stark still. There's a fair, fair gap. And mm. um, and I think that gets lost in the whole thing. And, and you know, when you look at some of the, you know, with the origins of you know, some of the team's players in, uh, in other states, it does get lost. And, you know, clearly there's many clubs that are quite open in the fact that they just target players from, from their particular home state. So we don't often have that opportunity because we're not quite at that point where there's a spillover effect from the academy system into the, you know, that have gone throughout the country. And we hope that's going to happen. And I think that should be the aim of all clubs and the industry itself is to have so many players coming through the the Northern academies that it spills out into the the system and you're able to um, hopefully one day get those players back to your club when they decide to come home as as many players go home to their home interstate from from Northern-based clubs. I want to ask you about your expectations of Brody Grundy because, uh, look, we're, we, we're hoping that it works and he's got the opportunity and he's going to lead the ruck. But at some point, the responsibility's got to be on him to play better. John, I don't think he's played at his best for, for, for a fair time now. Uh, what are your expectations of him? Oh, just to come in and, and, and give it his best shot. I mean, that's, that's our expectations. We know he's a... He's a he's got some a real ability. We know he's um, he gets after the ground level. What we've seen so far is that he's been fantastic at training and mm. and uh, can get across the ground and adds another dimension at ground level, which is really important. Um, you know the ground ball gets that he's able to get not just the aerial contest, but the ground ball gets he's able to get has been really noticeable. So our expectations are that he's that he you know gives himself the best shot to play his best football, and he's certainly doing that at the moment. You know he's a proud man. Um, he can't wait to get into the season. So, you know, we're, we're wrapped with him at the moment. We think he's going to have a big impact. We actually uh, spoke about you yesterday in Sydney's philosophy, I guess, of not commenting on contracted <laughs> players from other clubs. You're going to try? Big... No, I'm not going to try, but I want, I want to get you because Patrick Dangerfield has had a lighthearted uh, uh, comment about Bailey Smith looking good in, in Geelong Guernsey. What's your view on mid-season trading and what it could do 
for the competition and, and the fact that it could make it a free-for-all and you might be forced to speak about contracted players from other clubs. Seems like that's the way it's heading, doesn't it, Kane? Yeah. It seems like the industry's heading that way and I think that's where it's going. Um, you know, I think it's like anything as a coach, um, you look at the opportunities, but you also look at the threats and you go, okay, well, this could be a great opportunity. But then you also, I don't want any players to leave. And so <laughs> you sort of, um, you know, you balance that out, but it seems like it's the way it's going. Um, and I think it'll just become, you know, the norm in the industry in the next few years is that's just what will happen. It creates a lot of interest. Um, it creates, you know, opportunities for us to get asked more questions as coaches. But yeah, mm. I think that's the way the industry is going. We'll just have to deal with that. And, I don't think necessarily it'll be a bad thing for the competition. Yeah, would you be likely as a uh, such a successful coach mid-year? You've got a deficiency, so let's look at your key to de- uh, key defenders and the cartons out to to go all in at that stage for the hope of getting that one last yeah. piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about positional players like keys, key forwards, key backs, rucks, um, yeah, that's certainly. Um, appealing but I, I guess the mechanisms around the salary cap and mm. and 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 that is a is a there's a fair bit to work through with that you know the cap everyone talks about um you know how many players you get from other clubs but the cap often dictates that so that's the thing that fascinates me the most is do you need to leave room in your cap to be able to attract players in mid-season draft do you get compensation for that i'm not sure how that works so i think there's a fair bit of work to do there and mm. um and a lot of it revolves around the cat. John, you've been doing this for a heck of a long time, as I say. Since 2011, you've been a senior coach at Sydney. I don't often ask this question, but, like, how are you going? I was just thinking of Craig McRae the other day when he presented to the commission about, you know, work-life balance for not just you guys as the senior coaches, but your entire staff. I mean, how are you going? How have you assessed the change in the industry and what you do day-to-day and, and the, how consuming it all is? How are, I mean, how's your thirst for it and how are you going at the moment? Ah, oh, pretty good. Thanks for asking. It doesn't happen <laughs> like, too often. Sam. Like to check on your welfare from time to time. <laughs> ah, it's great for you to ask. How rude of me. How rude of me. <laughs> um, no, it's, a, it's yeah, it is. It, last year was the first time I'd actually travelled for a few years and, and went overseas and went to a number of different places overseas. And I found that really stimulating. I hadn't travelled since, be, you know, before COVID hit. And, the, you know, the, everyone, the brakes have been put on the spending in, at clubs and personal development sense. And, mm. And so, you know, what happens is that over a period of time, you just sort of, you know, I think in the, in the past we've been great, the industry's been great at sort of exploring, getting new ideas, and we've seen worldwide as the industry, in, in essence, has seen really strongly worldwide, and we've sort of, you know, stepped back from that a bit. So last year was the first opportunity for me to do that for about five or six years, and I, I felt really great about doing it. I just really got overseas and, and had a look around and, and learned a lot of different things. And I think that's great for the industry. I think it's great for the, the players, hopefully. And, mm. um, you know, it's something we should still encourage, no matter how long you've been coaching. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff, mate. Great to talk to you. Uh, and, and we really appreciate you donating your time and, and, and reaching out to us this morning to, uh, you know, provide us with some great transparency on the captaincy announcement and the, and the broader implications of life up there at Sydney. And we, we wish you well for, uh, for the year ahead at the Swans, of course. No worries. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Kane. Good on you, John. Uh, John Longmire, Sydney coach, uh, premiership coach as well. Um, we better get to this man, though, Kane. Breakfast on SEN.
Well, GWS, they were one of the stories of the 2023 season, rebounding from a slow start in Adam Kingsley's first year in charge all the way to a preliminary final where they ran the eventual Premier Collingwood to within one point. Uh, and they're building very, very nicely up there in the west of Sydney, which is where we find their head of football, Jason McCartney. And Jason, as we welcome you in, are you talking to us like everyone at the Giants does on the phone these days? Phone in one hand, dumbbell in the other? <laughs> No, good morning. How are you, Sam? G'day, Kane. How are you? Yeah, I saw that one. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. We've got the, the practice match against the uh, the Suns, so it could be just uh, the players could be the sideshow to the two coaches with their dumbbells. Oh, we've had a famous Kevin Sheedy jacket wave. We might have to bring a little dumbbell to the stands. <laughs> yes, and I know our social media team uh, yeah, had a bit of fun with that, as they do. So, yeah. No, but as you said, things are, um, like I'd imagine, most clubs, things are pro- uh, progressing pretty well for us at the moment. We just had uh, John Longmire on the phone. Uh, we'll, we'll get to what's happening at your footy club shortly, but what did you make of the AFL rules changes and how you were consulted in the process, Jase? Yeah, the consultation process was really good. I know all the um, general manager of football we're on a meeting probably early December, late November, and we knew there was a lot of information coming and the AFL wanted us uh, to have some strong input. So, yeah, what, what landed yesterday, there was sort of no surprises. And I think Laura summed it up really well earlier on. There's uh, some tweaks been made, but the game is, yeah, look, the game couldn't be any better at the moment, to be honest. It feels that way. So, uh, consulted with clubs, they've made a couple of tweaks and, and we'll just move on with it and I think it'll all be fine. I know you've had a bit of time off, Jason. You've got to fit that in somewhere. I'm just uh, now that you've sort of got your feet back under the desk a little bit. What's the preseason been like at the Giants? If it was very, you know, classroom heavy in in Adam's first year in charge from a tactical point of view, what's what's this summer been like? And would you like to think you can obviously hit the ground running uh, to a greater extent than what you did last year? Yeah, it's a good point. Last year, a lot of education just with Adam and a whole new coaching team and, a, and obviously some different ways and, and styles of how we wanted to play in the game plan. So it's just really adding to that now. And obviously the coaches, Adam and his team, have done a great job. We're able to, it's interesting, listen to some other clubs and players talk about their pre-season. We are able to get a, a significant increase last year in our high speed and intensity, but designed around our drills and the way we want to play, more importantly. Um, so that was great and held us in good stead last year. But the pleasing thing is we've been able to go to another level with that and uh, and really add to that. So uh, full credit to the players. They've, uh, yeah, they've confronted the workload. They've got it done. And uh, they know now um, through last year that it holds them in really good stead as we, we build through the season, albeit we'd like to have a better start than we did last year. The club did a great job of releasing some vision of the pre-season camp. It didn't look like there was a footy in sight, Jay. It was mountain bike riding. There was challenges, orienteering, a really physical sort of tough army-style camp. What was the strategy behind that? Yeah, it was just a good opportunity. We did something similar last year where, like the football component, you've got elite facilities here and obviously changes in soft cap and things like that. I know some clubs going away for a little bit longer now. But it's something that fits has fitted really well in our program uh, after a really heavy, high-intensity training load to go away. And it's more that connection piece and team building. And um, there's some abseiling, some cycling, uh, mountain bike riding, and a fair hike we did on the Thursday, which uh, most of the staff jumped in, which was, uh, which was great. And it's just spending time. And that connection piece is really important. We feel we're getting the more than getting the football component here at the club. So it is interesting on those long walks, which is uh, <laughs> six or seven hours, some of the discussions came and the, uh, some of the boys asked about uh, yesteryear. So 
Uh, what I was able to share with him, we did similar, but a lot harder than what you're going through now, boys. So suck yeah. it up and keep going. Is that like when you catch the fish? You know, the stories get bigger and grander and tougher. Uh, my word. With every year that goes by, they certainly do, Sam. Now, uh, just you mentioned what other clubs are up to. I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Patrick Dangerfield's admission that, um, you know, they've almost, I think he said double, maybe even tripled their high speed work to almost bulletproof you know, the soft tissue, um, you know, uh, injury or safeguard against injury as best they can when the whips are cracking in season, which from the outside looking in would appear to carry some risk. Is, has there been much change across the comp to your knowledge or in your at your footy club in regards to the way that the players are prepared? Because this would appear to be a pretty drastic change that, uh, that Paddy Dangerfield's admitted to here. Yeah, look, it was interesting because it's something that, uh, yeah, there's, there's obviously a bit, you know, experts in this area employed by the clubs, but from what we've seen and what I've seen, it's um, there's some risk attached. But the reality is you're preparing players for the rigours of a season and the demands of the game. Um, if you don't go there and don't expose the players to that in the pre-season, you may get to the start of the season with a healthy list, but you're going to lose players throughout the year as soon as the game starts. So, yeah, it's the risk-reward. You need to go there. You need to expose them to these, um, you know, the, the, the game's such you know, high-speed, high-tempo now. So, like I said, if you don't tick off some of these markers in the lead-up, you, you're going to be exposed in season. Mm. So, yeah it, was, um, yeah, it was no surprise when I heard Pat talking about that. Just looking through your, your list of uh, where the contracts sit with, you, with your group, and it, it looks to be pretty stable. You've done a great job stitching up the ones you need to. Jesse Hogan would be probably the most prominent one. Are you, are you down the road on finalising a, a contract offer for him? Yeah, it's one now that uh, you have your break and you come back. We have some initial discussions sort of post the, the draft and it, it's one we really pick up now. A lot of the clubs were catching up with managers again now. Most of the managers have uh, had a little bit of a break as well and it feels uh, like everyone's back into gear now and, and those discussions will progress from this point in time on. But yeah, we're in, we're in pretty good shape there. Obviously, a couple of free agents in um, Harry Perryman and also Isaac Cumming. But mm. you're also looking then to... Um, you know, what you can do with maybe players who are another um, 12 months away, what their appetite is to to, uh, to probably extend there. And obviously we're in a better shape to, to have those conversations uh, this year off the back of the promising season last year than probably what we were the year before when you're bringing in a whole new coaching team and there's a little bit of unknown. Mm. Yeah, one of those is Finn Callahan, 2025. What What's his appetite oh. to extend out further than that, do you think? Yeah, hopefully strong because he's going quite well. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a he's a really he's a great kid. He's a great talent, and um, yeah, he came in. Obviously, we knew when we, we brought him into the club there was uh, some injury issues he, he had to overcome, and he's slowly getting there with that. Uh, what he did last year was pretty exceptional, albeit there's you know he's yet to string a, a full season together. But his preseason has been strong, and yeah, just some of the things he does on the track, and we obviously saw him. His speed and agility and things in games last year in big games, he's, he's um, yeah, he can he can change a game quickly. So we're really excited about what he can do for for not only this season but uh, well and truly beyond that. How's the makeup of your assistant coaching team? I know initially uh, when Adam was appointed, you may have had some trouble attracting some coaches up there, and it may not have been your first choice assistant coaching panel. In in the end, it worked out incredibly well, but they didn't seem to be really settled? I think there was a, a story that I read about one of them living in, in a sort of a caravan setup. How has that evolved? And, I'm, lo- and I'm, it, I'm, looking, I'm looking at his van now, actually. Uh, but, is it still there? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a caravan. It's a, it's a oh. nice rig, actually. But look, it is different. Yeah, look, at this, there, there's challenges in, um, you know, for an interstate club. And I know the Swans have been very stable 
listening to John before, but they've been very stable with their, their assistant coaching sort of panel. Um, they've had a little bit of change recently and there's not a deep pool of coaches here. And a lot of the coaches that work with us over the uh, recent years are now in um, coaching or administration capacity at the Swan. So, and we've got a couple that have come our way and Ty Kennelly in our academy and obviously Jeremy Labor is the Ford's coach. So, yeah, it, it presents great challenges, but our group uh, it, it, it did a really exceptional job last year. And you can just yeah. see uh, this year, that, that second year working together, because apart from uh, Brett Montgomery and, and Adam Kingsley, none of the other boys have really worked together uh, in the past. So the connection, the gel, so you can just see how much smoother things are running already this pre-season. Uh, but it's one we do need to keep an eye on because we still do have um, two or three of the coaching staff that do live away from their families. Um, and we know it's, it's it's a nine or ten month job, and we're pretty conscious of that that the balance piece. And away from the season, we wrap things up very quickly with the CBA with our players post season, but we also do that with our coaches, just to get them out and get them back to their families. But the, the part of the nine or ten months when they're on, it, it's pretty intense. So mm. we've got to keep monitoring that and supporting our coaches all the way through. Can I ask who it is who lives in that sort of makeshift setup and how it works for him? <laughs> No, he won't mind me speaking about this. It's uh, it's Craig Jennings. So Craig, when he came up the first year, he lived in a in around Sydney Olympic Park. He just uh, it, it works for him. Uh, he's at the club a lot. He's here early. Uh, he's here at work long hours, and I think he enjoys the freedom of uh, the northern beaches of um, Sydney in particular. When it's a day off, he uh, that's where he heads, and that's where he resides in around those areas. So he's one of ours. Not, whatever, we love him. And whatever we love him. works. What, <laughs> Whatever works for the individual, he seems Absolutely. very comfortable. Well, we, we love him. He's one of ours. We like to claim him anyway. Jason, just, we need to get uh, let you go. Just quickly before we go, and I, admittedly with this last question, I am asking a lot of you here for a fair bit of transparency, more than perhaps you're willing to give. The 666 warning. Now, it's hard to imagine a world where the coaches will want this abolished. There's, you know, how long's too long is the general question from the outside. The clubs need to be warned about this. Do you feel it is gamed from time to time to earn a delay of game um, or is it just a simple mistake each and every time? From our perspective and what I see, it's just a mistake. <laughs> it's not by design. There's, yep. there's so much going on in a game. Uh, games that I've been involved in or we've been involved in, I just haven't seen it as a tactic at all. So but it's just a, a mistake, someone coming off interchange or whatever it may be yeah. or they've you know, they cover so much ground, so not a tactic. Hey, before I go, though, I've just got two quick ones, Kane. Uh, mm-hmm. Boxing, how's the training going? Oh, yes. don't ask. Here we don't go. Ask. He's I'm trying hopeless. to keep it. I'm, I'm hopeless, Jay. He's trying to play it down, Jay, so Absolutely go as long as you're long. Hopeless. Okay. Now, now I'm loving both uh, your work. And the other two, Bozos, are they coming back at all? It's a fair break. <laughs> it's a good question. Now, they'll be back. They'll be back on Monday. Uh, actually, no, Tuesday. 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 They'll, be, they'll be back with us on Tuesday. How long's it been, you reckon, Jace? It's been a good four months, hasn't it? Oh, it's been a while. I, I tend yeah. to, I love, I'm an avid listener. I do I do switch off once the sort of trade draft period's over and have a refresh myself. But, um it's, it's, it's felt like a long time. They're not just doing finals, are they? Oh. Well, uh, it's a six-month contract, I think, at the moment, basically. But probably the le- less I say on this, the better. You're going to get me in trouble, Jase. Um, great to have you on, mate. You're always really generous with your time, which which we love here at SEN. Uh, you sound refreshed and recharged and no doubt a big year for your footy club. We wish you well. 
Nah, thanks very much, guys. Great to chat. Look forward to chatting throughout the year. Exactly. I appreciate it. Those two bozos. I was like, what? who's he talking about the two bozos? <laughs> and I'm glad that he ta- he's taking a real keen interest in your boxing preparation oh. as well. That bout against Nathan Brown can't come quick enough. It's for uh, Gather Round. Better get to the newsroom. We're overdue. Nathan Gardner's got the headline. Oh, boy. She's been a busy, busy morning. Uh, Laura Kane joined us earlier. John Longmire after that. Jason McCartney there to football at GWS. So we... Might have got a bit of carried away with and now running behind time, Kane. So we, we will need to pause uh, shortly. Um, but yes, Gary and Tim, because we're getting a few texts, are back on Tuesday. And you and Bucks are back in the chair on Monday. Bucks and I are back. So Super Bowl Monday, won't it? It'll be it that. Is. So that um, signals, I guess, the new programming on, on SEN and yep. gearing up for what is going to be a huge year, a huge footy season. Lots to chat about with Bucks. Hasn't he had a bumper off season? He's away again, I saw. He's down in Tassie again. Down there in the uh, some of the remote, a beautiful uh, wilderness of Tasmania the other yeah, day. He's nailed his off-season. He hasn't Bucks. been anywhere near his home. It's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, we need a full documentation of, of what yeah. he's got up to. So, I'll do that. And then uh, Fireball Friday back on Friday again for the second week. And uh, Kingy's already lining me up on a few things. Well, I saw um, him yesterday and I did happen to mention that uh, no, his voiceover. About this? Oh, no, good. I said he's, your voiceover caught our eye. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kane asked you about it on Friday. He said, oh, you know, sometimes you get asked to do things. and you just, Yeah, you just well, sometimes you're conflicted. I mean, he's been <laughs> banging on about me having a direct line for Ken Hinckley and sucking up for Ken Hinckley. Uh, he's taken it next level, but he's the mascot at North Melbourne, David King. So he's the Tim Gossage of North Melbourne. Oh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's paid. Wow. I'm not sure he's paid six figures, like Gossage was at West Coast, and he gave up the six-figure job to ask Simo a couple of questions. But Kingy is now the North Melbourne mascot after accusing me of all sorts of biases. I can't believe it. So. Oh. I'll be taking that up with him on Friday. Geordie on the buttons can't cut that up quick enough this morning. Uh, that is extraordinary. That'll be coming to to the to Kingy on Friday. Uh, would you call him the Tim Gossage of North Melbourne and the yeah. mascot? Oh, that's going to come back. No mm. doubt about it. The forty wing step. So you know, the, the kangaroo that runs around on game day. That's you Kingy. think it's him? I think it's. In, I think it is. We're in an investigation. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> 04W, 0433981116, the all-new Temper Pro is where it's at. It's the most adaptive mattress ever, and it's here, Temper, a mattress like no other. On the other side of this, we've got, well, uh, about a part of 10 or 15 minutes before we hand over to Jared Waitley, who's, of course, on the strip in Vegas. Questions of that notice? If you've got one, drop it in our inbox tray here, 0433981116. We're here for Melbourne Airport parking. Book online for the best rates, melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast on SEN. Where has the morning gone? Been a big one. If you missed these chats, they're all, by the way, up and podcasted at sen.com.au. Laura Kane, General Manager of Football at the AFL. John Longmire, Coach of the Sydney Swans. And Jason McCartney, the Head of Football up at GWS. Just off the text... And I really loved that chat with Horse. He was he was great. He's always good. I'm a big fan, unabashed. James says, very proud of John Longmire and the team for not succumbing to the media noise and selecting Callum Mills to be our sole captain. It's in the best interests of the club from all angles. And I know Callum will repay the loyalty the club has shown him in spades. So essentially, Horse was saying, well, everyone makes mistakes. And we were willing to forgive and, and forget and move on. He's easily the best leader at the football club and it was time. So hard to argue with any of that. I was looking at their best 22 as we were interviewing him and 
are they flying under the radar a little bit? Like they are, they are stacked. Now the one area of concern would be their key defenders. Hamlin comes in, you know, he's your sort of C grade backup defender in an ideal world. He's probably not in your best 22, but it's probably going to have to hold up if they're going to do it. They got Rampy and McCartan and then Blakey can play a little bit taller as he did at stages last year, but everything else, um, particularly the midfield and their small forwards, look out. And then if Logan McDonald can take the next leap with no Buddy Franklin and being in his shadow, then they're, they're, they're as good a chance as any. Yeah. And just on the Blues, um, gee, I love, the, I love this from Carlton. So they, we touched on it. Um, Charlie Curnow is now a vice-captain at the Blues. So it's, it's leadership group time. It's that time in the AFL calendar window where every club will announce their leadership group. Do they have the best leadership group in the league? So I look, it's just four. I love that it's four. It's not 10. It's not eight. It's not seven. It's four. Cripps is the captain. And then you've got Weedering, Walsh, and Kerno. Is that the highest quality in terms of star power of any leadership group? Good group. In the le- is and that it's... the strongest leadership group? Well, I don't know how you can knock the Premier, but it's a good, it's, it's a good core of leaders. To think how different it is, like Brisbane made a grand that final. That knocks off the Premier. For you? I haven't, I haven't seen the updated 2024. Some pretty decorated group. players in that group, I'm sure. But oh. you look at Brisbane, who went within a, you know, a whisker of winning a premiership. They had 11 players in their leadership group. So mm. it's amazing the difference in approach. 11, and here's Carlton with four. Just, I would have loved to ask a couple more questions to Laura Kane as well, particularly around the score review. So... Question without notice. I mean, her answer, anything is possible. We're trialling it. Should we not be in a position now where we're ready to roll something out? I mean, nothing happens in a hurry with the score review, does it? So essentially, nothing has changed for season 2024. No, but you'd want to be confident you get it right. Otherwise, it'll be a mock. they'll be mocked. Should there be then, a matter of urgency on this, though? Like a matter- well, there is, there, there is, though, isn't there? Clearly, there is. There's definitely some urgency in it, and it's not far away. But if they rolled this technology out and it didn't work and play was held up because the umpire got a signal that the ball was out when it wasn't... Well, you're pretty kind because things. the chips in the ball has been around for, oh, I want to say, two decades. This is no, not... I get that. I get that. And we see the tennis in the Australian Open and how seamlessly it works. For how but long she... has that been in place for? But, well, she did describe the fact that ours is an oval. Yeah, but we're only talking and... goal-line technology. Forget the boundary. That, that, that's an out. We're talking goal-line technology on the goal-line. So no, would not. you rather it be messy and not quite, so sort of 75%, 80% No, I'd just rather us up to speed like every other sport in the Well, we would world. all rather that, but it's clearly not at that level. And if it was, I'd roll it out. But I'm just happy that it's progressing. And this time next year, I'm sure... I'm sure that it will be. And didn't we hit her with some rapid fire credit? I, I felt bad. Oh, no. like, it's just like bang. Okay, bang. Oh, no. it, 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 it wasn't very conversational, you, was it? What you, what you have <laughs> it was to very do. very transactional. And a lot of the uh, answers were they're looking at it. We're looking into it. Yeah, and then fair enough because she's not on her own in making these decisions. She's beholden to others as well. And it's all collaborative and the clubs have to be taken along. I hope they use it in the VFL though. Now, she said that might be a case. It might be used at state level. I hope it is trialled. When games are being played for premiership points, I'd love to see it in the VFL. Well, the old pre-season, you know, the Wizard Cup, the Ansett Cup, we used to trial all these things. And the fact that we don't have sort of the dedicated pre-season comp anymore, I know there's the, the sort of the one sanctioned game, but mm. we used to trial all the rules. We had the super goal. We had the ball hitting the post and coming back into play. Kicking backwards used to be a play on at some stages. So that that is 
that was gold for stuff like this, where you can trial it in a sanctioned preseason competition over three games. Unfortunately, we, we don't get that, and the game's probably lesser for it. We're going to get over to the strip after this. Touch base with Jared Waitley, who's in Las Vegas. The countdown to the Super Bowl continues. Uh, stay with us. It's up next. Breakfast on SEN. You know, Kane, for all the excitement that Las Vegas holds and uh, and all the thrills of Sin City, I just know that when we got onto the score review with Laura Kane, that Jared Waitley would have been like a jackpot for him over there. This is right in his wheelhouse, and he joins us from the strip over there in Nevada. How are you, Jared? Sam Kane, hello. I've been I've been trawling through everything that came from the AFL. I'm, I'm clearly I'm disconnected, but I'm trying to find where the adjustments were, the, <laughs> the score review system that stuffed last season. Um, where, where uh, uh, sure, surely, surely I just haven't been sent the right release. Anything is possible, Jared. They're telling us that no, at the no, moment. No, Working no, on no, it, Jared. No clear, clear blue sky. How long have we had the system for? Tom Hawkins hits the post in the 2008 Grand Final. Um, no, no, the technology is not a new thing. <laughs> it, it just, it, it just hasn't popped up, and we're just early adopters to it. I, I, I bent the sphere, which is the, the symbol of the technological age. <laughs> surely, surely something has been done, e- even on the human side of things. Surely, we put in some safeguards or some challenging or. Because we couldn't have the same thing happen again, could we? I feel a really hot take coming uh, in right off the top over there in uh, in Las Vegas from Jerry Whale. And you got a great they, show they, like that. Hey, they haven't done their homework. <laughs> they haven't done their homework. They had the whole summer to be ready. Where, where's hey, you got to put your essay in on the first day of the semester. Where is it? You read the novel, but you didn't write the essay. I, I'm, I can't believe it. Lucky it's only a a small domestic sport that doesn't mean much to people (laughs) and we can just skate by. Oh, this is fantastic. Stuffed the whole season at the Hello Crows fans. He's got a big show coming up, Jared. I see Bob East in the studio as well over here, Kane. So Bob's going to join Jared shortly, Gold Coast Suns chairman, who's laid out the blueprint for success at the Suns. Kane, we'll do it one more time tomorrow. See you tomorrow morning. Jared Waitley's next.